It is Free Talk Live at the Porcupine Freedom Festival, also known as Porkfest, as I like to call it, because, uh, I mean, realistically, the Porcupine Freedom Festival is something going on down there, and I still have not yet made my way down there to it. <laughs> have you, Angie? I have. I have been down there a couple of times. I've been on a couple of talks. Um, I was on the Meet the Regions and the Monadnock Region. So I oh, was that's able, right. Yeah. yeah, I was able to plug Free Talk Live a handful of times in our region and all of the stuff we do there. Okay, awesome. Um, have you been down there to just, you know, enjoy the festivities or whatever is going on? I have not gone to any of the other talks. I did volunteer some um, just to registration, and there are a ton of people. They said we were about 85% capacity right now at Rogers. Wow, already? Which is, Yeah, which is really good, and that was yesterday, which was Wednesday. Okay, yeah, and definitely there are more people showing up every minute to just vehicles going by. There's significantly more people walking around today than there even were yesterday. Yeah, and yesterday definitely looked like a Saturday. It's ramping up yeah. considerably. It's, it's going exciting. to be an enormous festival. And a lot of people are staying, you know, after the Pork Fest ends for uh, Pork Fest, which is phenomenal. Yeah. Okay. I've, I've met quite a few that are like, yeah, I'm staying. I can't wait. I'm not leaving. They won't stay the whole time. Sure. But they'll be here, you know, the first few days during it. Okay. Well, that's good news because I've been going around looking at these, you know, they put orange stickers on the back windows of their yes. vehicles. And I haven't seen that many that are staying beyond like June the 28th or June the 29th. So it's it's good to hear that people are planning to stay for, you know. Maybe the, cool the ones kids after party. Yeah, maybe the ones that are staying are the ones that are just kind of landing where they when they get here. They're That's riding up point. with somebody, or they're getting a ride, and they're just kind of staying, and they have nothing else that they want to go do because they want to stay here and party with us. Awesome. Well, Forkfest is not at capacity as far as I know, and you're still invited to join us. It's June the 28th through July the 4th, and I'm looking forward to it because Forkfest always has a very different vibe when it's just Forkfest versus oh, yeah. the Pork. The Porcupine Freedom Festival is a lot more family friendly than Fork Fest is. It is. That's which, a good way to put it. Which isn't necessarily a bad thing. You know, each each event has their space. And this is something for me to consider because I've been looking around thinking, is there really any point in continuing to have Fork Fest happen after the Porcupine Freedom Festival when they could just happen concurrently? Well, I think there is. And I believe there is because you know people like to not be told what to do. They don't want they somebody do. saying, hey, you have to have a bracelet. Hey, you have to have a ticket. You, you can't go to these bathrooms because you're not VIP or anything like that. And at ForkFest, you just kind of come and you get to be you and you get to do exactly what makes you happy. That's very true. I mean, that's the whole reason that ForkFest was born, right? Mm-hmm. It, well, it's, it's partially because, you know, they banned Ian Freeman and therefore Free Talk Live. Yes. But that only lasted for like a year. But there was still an, an almost oppressive vibe during the Porcupine Freedom Festival because they had the entire campground res- reserved. And you had to jump through all of these hoops. You had to buy a ticket for the Porcupine Freedom Festival to even be at the campground while it was happening. And they were, you know, they had some issues with uh, a couple, a poker game a couple of years ago, and they tried to kick people off. And then they, Did let they? Them, yes, and then they let them back on. Um, it was all because of a sign that was a religious base. It was something about um, why do you believe or something like that. And someone was upset about it, and so they kicked them off at like two o'clock in the morning, and they let them come back on, but they could only stay on their site. They couldn't go off of their site. Wow, I had not heard about that. Yep. But I mean, that was the old Porcupine Freedom Festival. It has changed yes. significantly. But there it used has. to there used to be park pork rangers. Just there cost- are still pork rangers. Yeah, but the, you know they were perpetually in the way. Oh, yeah. In the past. I mean, just constantly driving up and down, patrolling like police. And in your business. And they acted like police Someone officers. told me that we should cop block the pork rangers this year. Th- they were cop blocked at nice. one point. Uh, th- the very 
at the very first Fork Fest or Somalia Fest, however you want to characterize it, that I was ever at. It was, it was still taking place prior to the Porcupine Freedom Festival. It was like a three-day event at that point. Yep. Just sort of people who arrived early to have a good time. It was a pre-party back then, and now it's an after-party. But it was Davi Barker who ran off with several others to go cop block the, um, the pork rangers. And, and how did that go? Do you have any idea? I, I don't know because, you know, it was my first night here. I had never even been to New Hampshire at that point, much oh, less wow. to the Porcupine Freedom Festival or Fork Fest. I had no idea who any of these people were or, or what, what was going think. on. And then I'm like, we're going cop blocking and off they go. And I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. Yep. And I think it was two years ago, the last time that the Porcupine Freedom Festival was really the oppressive regime that it was, I was hanging out in my hotel room. This was the last time that Fork Fest took place prior to okay. the Porcupine Freedom Festival, actually. I was hanging out at my hotel room, and whoever it was who was in charge of the pork rangers that year was expressing frustration to someone else about how she had, quote, no jurisdiction to tell anyone what they could and couldn't do because it was still Fork Fest. Oh. And Porcupine Freedom Festival hadn't started. I mean, just, just hearing this, quote, libertarian express frustration about not having jurisdiction control yeah yeah control when was, someone gets just a little bit of you know authority they it goes to their head and they're like oh i can do and say whatever i like because i'm in control and attendance was way down last yes, that year it was and it was way down the year before and now with the porcupine freedom festival being open and essentially just being something that happens down there at rogers campground attendance is at 85 percent capacity Already. it also helps that you know free talk live is back and it's neat how that happened. I don't know to what extent Free Talk Live is actually responsible for it, but when they kicked Free Talk Live off of you know the Porcupine Freedom Festival, attendance plummeted. Yeah. And then once we were allowed back, attendance started climbing again. Imagine that. Now, correlation doesn't necessarily equal causation, but it's not a bad thing for us to be able to point out. I have noticed that there are a lot of people who have shown up for someone named Dave Smith. Dave Smith. Who does a podcast, or he's some kind of libertarian comedian. Okay. And um, there are a lot of first-timers that um, I, I deal cards, and they'll, I'll say, well, you know, where'd you hear about it? And they're like, Dave Smith, Dave Smith, and I, I have no idea who that is. Uh, he's the libertarian comedian. Okay. Uh, he's not Canadian. Okay. He, he's, um, th- uh, he, thank he is thank ev- you for pointing that out, yeah, he I is, guess. <laughs> uh, he, uh, I thought you said uh, he's a Canadian. It's no, like, he's a libertarian. Oh, comedian. Comedian, yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> every, every inch of him in New Yorker. I was like, all right, Lee, a- Every thanks. last bit of him, as much as we would like him to come to the free state, he is every bit of him in New Yorker. He will not um, come. But yeah, his show is um, today, right? So, yeah, he's been part of this whole... Um, like this Mises caucus takeover of the Libertarian Party, which, I mean, it, basically a bunch of actual Libertarians got tired of the Libertarian Party being not Libertarian. Okay. So uh, That was, hasn't really been my understanding of it. I realize that's how they're painting it, but I, I was part of the Mises caucus when they first formed, and it took about two weeks for me to disassociate from them. Why uh, did you disassociate? Because they're about as close to alt-right as one can be without okay. actually being alt-right. Okay. Uh, I'm, the, a lot of people like to call them racist and things like that. I, I don't think they're racist, but they're they're very conservative socially. Okay, and that to me conflicts spiritually with the idea of libertarianism, which should yeah. be socially liberal, in my opinion. Makes sense. They paint themselves as being you know all about the the economic right and focus entirely on economics, but the, these are the Hoppian uh, libertarians. That they're all about. Being able to forcefully remove elements of society that they don't like. Well, from one's own personal property. 
I mean, if your neighbor's dog is pooping on your lawn, you can remove the dog from your lawn. I mean, you, you sure. mixed your labor with that with that bit of nature, and if something's on it that you don't want on it, you are allowed to move it from that. I understand that, but in a world where the state currently exists and we have a libertarian party attempting to, you know, take control of the state, I would rather that not be the libertarians who are advocates of physical removal who become the ones to seize the state's power. I would rather it be ones who are against physical removal. Because well, in, with the worldview that we're in, the state is... Ultimately, the controller of all property. If they control the state, then they control all property. If they want to get rid of the gay people, oh, well, it's our property. We're the government now. Let's remove them. Well, but they're, they're personal property advocates. So, I mean, there would be well, no... Well, yes. Well, th- well no, there, going, would be no state, to, there would be no state property under a Mises leadership if that were even possible. So it would just all be personal well, property. Well, why are they exactly. seeking power? Why are they seeking power? Well, The same uh, reason everyone one, else seeks power, to well, use it. No, I mean honestly, if there was a if there was a chance that he would actually become the president of the United States, there's no chance Dave Smith would run. None. No, I, he's, I'm not he's saying up there for, Dave Smith for the in very particular. Specific I'm talking purpose. about the Mises Caucus in general. Well, why right, why but, do they exist and why are they seeking power? Well, uh, as far as why they exist, I think the most important part of why they exist is for messaging. Because I mean, uh, well, that's doable outside of the party apparatus. Oh, sure. I mean, we've been but, doing that I mean, in Free Talk Live for the but, best I mean, part of two people, decades. Uh, p- the biggest libertarian movements have always been when there's uh, a focal point of politics, like uh, Ron Paul, for example. Yeah, and Ron Paul has some pretty severe problems, like allowing people to perpetually write things in his name that he may or may not endorse. More coming up from Fort Fest 2021. This is Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live from Fort Fest 5, 2021, here at Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. I look forward to this festival every year. Every year, as soon as it ends, I'm like, yes, let's do it again. And then I spend the entirety of the next 50 weeks looking forward to it. And, you know, that's not a bad thing. It's it's a great place to be. It always amazes me when people are like, wow, you're staying for the whole two weeks? And I'm like... I'd stay for the whole 52 weeks if we could have a free market that long. Yeah, it it is nice. Uh, it's frustrating for me. You mentioned the free market. Obviously, uh, there, there's a lot of USD being spent here. I'm restricted primarily to using USD. I can also use yeah, goldbacks. God, that's got a sting. It, it is awful, wait, man. They, wait, they let you use goldbacks? Well, they can't stop me from using goldbacks. All right. Okay. Yeah, no, that one, that, that would... The, there that would no, be a brutal legal battle that they would lose. Like that one's actually written in, yeah, on like literally every level of government that you're allowed to do that. So, but what I'm not allowed to, to do is use cryptocurrency, mm-hmm. which is frustrating because almost every vendor here, I'm told, accepts cryptocurrency. I, I'm also I was told previously that there wasn't a very high acceptance level because people were a little gun shy based on the fact that you know some of crypto's biggest advocates were just you know arrested by the mm-hmm. FBI, but. And others are AWOL. But from what I've seen and heard since, there are plenty of vendors here accepting cryptocurrency. Oh, definitely. But it doesn't do me any good because I'm limited to USD and goldbacks. Yep. And if you're wondering what we're talking about, check out Bitcoin.com. It's got everything you need to learn about cryptocurrency, including the basics. There's There's several short videos there if you just want to learn what is Bitcoin, how does it work, what is this technology. It's world changing and you should know about it by this point. 
And if you do already know about it, check out the news articles at news.bitcoin.com. There's something for everyone, all on a sleek and easy-to-use website, bitcoin.com. It's the best place to learn about cryptocurrency. Now, before we got into that, we were discussing a, a question that I've always found interesting. You know, why do libertarians run for office? Mm-hmm. And this is I, I've run for office, sure. And to me, it's sort of a conundrum. We want to put people in power so that they... To remove power. Yeah. Yes, to remove power. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure to what extent I really trust a lot of libertarians to do that. Because every revolutionary has said, hey, we're going to seize power so that we can bring power to the people or so that we can free the people or mm-hmm. have a socialist utopia or whatever. And it doesn't ever work out that way. Well, I think one of the things that uh, that is very different from those that have seized power to give it to the people is that their uh, their philosophy is bonkers. I mean, sure. it simply does not hold together. And like, dude, libertarians are autistic in our desire for consistency. No, this must hold together, which leads to some weird places conversationally. Because like if they say a thing and you go, well, what about this? They'll stick to it. And I don't think there's anything autistic about desiring consistency out of a philosophy. And it, Mark, Mark, just the whole time he's been here, he repeatedly referred to libertarians as, you know, just screeching autists, screeching autists. Like, look, uh, not well, all libertarians are autistic. In fact, the vast majority of libertarians I know are not autistic. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not meaning that as I know, a but medical every freaking, li- every freaking libertarian just beats that dead horse of autistic libertarians. And can we just stop okay. doing it? Well, no. So in this context, it refers to a, a sort of extreme detail-oriented. Like you are willing and uh, even desirous to get deep down into the weeds of a particular subject uh, far beyond what most people are usually willing to go to. Well, that's just fascinating. I mean, we don't call biologists autistic because they're deeply fascinated by biology or well, marine biologists autistic because they're deeply fascinated by marine biology well, or I mean, physicists. Do you have a better term for when you are willing to get way too into the particular details of a uh, of and deep into the weeds on a very specific tiny thing for most people's taste? Autistic is not the word I would use, certainly. I, I, detail-oriented Great. or so interested in a particular subject, So you don't like the perhaps? thing, but you don't have anything to replace it. Well, why don't you go back to the left, then? Well, autistic is a mental diagnosis that a lot of people actually, you know, well, suffer from, okay. or, a, or a behavioral diagnosis. So when I call someone a psycho, I'm not usually saying that they are literally a psychopath, but I'm saying that there are traits that we associate with that that uh, are on display. Well, see, when I call someone a psychopath, I, I mean that they're a psychopath. They, they lack empathy for other human beings. I don't generally call people psychopaths unless they exhibit psychopathic characteristics. And I don't call people autistic unless they are autistic. Well, being libertarian be... isn't really enough to warrant being called autistic. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Uh, it, and it's literal versus figurative. So figurative autism doesn't actually have anything to do with uh, any kind of diagnosis of being on the spectrum. But it does have to do with a tendency toward a detail oriented in a single tiny subject. Okay, I guess what I object to then is the use of autism as some sort of insult or demeaning way of describing people who are fixated on or who are fascinated by a particular subject. Knowing people who are autistic, I mean, th- that is legitimately... You might as well just call people retards if you're going to equate fascination with a subject as being autism. 
Well, and it's not just fascination with a subject, but like, so, uh, for example, uh, autistic savants will have a tendency to have a particular thing that they are extremely knowledgeable about, but that knowledge doesn't really spread over to other areas. Sure. And it's a reference to that. Well, that's specialization. Like a a biochemist would be great at biochemistry, okay, so maybe hyper, but I wouldn't expect them to so maybe much hyper specialized might be a better a better term then. Um, and there also is uh, the the uh, implication of uh, poor social skills. Yes, uh, libertarians do tend to have poor social skills. I'll definitely give you that. When they tend to operate on a a very cold, emotionless basis in their worldview, which is fascinating to me because there's nothing cold or unemotional about the Austrian economy economics that you know built much of modern libertarian philosophy it's, it's all case. about the individual's desires and choices mm-hmm. and libertarianism is all about the individual's desires and choices it's why we prefer the free market over you know closed markets like we have with governments mm-hmm. and here at Forkfest, you, you do have the closest thing that you can get to a free market mm-hmm. and it's beautiful i mean you can barter i i managed to acquire silver yesterday and could could submit it anywhere here? I, I imagine it's about anywhere here. Just about, yeah. And that's a beautiful thing. It really is. And if you don't like gold, you don't like silver, you don't like cryptocurrency, I don't know what to tell you. The, the, every vendor here will accept Federal Reserve notes, war dollars, if sure. you insist on paying in that. But why would you when you have a number of alternatives available that don't, you know, fund the war machine? But back to the question. It's... There, there are maybe five libertarians I would trust to actually be elected to a position of power and fulfill their promise to either diffuse that power or to just not exercise that power. Mm-hmm. The vast majority of them, I think, would, would get a taste of it and would enjoy it and would fall into the status mentality of, oh, no, I don't, I don't want to give this up. This is too good. I can make the world better. Yeah, Karen, uh, Karen Ann Harlow was talking uh, uh, yesterday or the day before, and uh, that was one of the things she pointed out is that uh, what she's seen is that when people get into a position in the Libertarian Party, like after like three years tops, like they, they start to go nuts, and, and like the power actually gets to them, and they start you know uh, getting a big head about the whole thing. Yeah. So well, um, just like the market, we need churn. Yeah, man, market power corrupts, and the market is the best way of decentralizing that and opening things up for competition and for change and steady, robust growth. More coming up from Fort Fest 2021. This is Free Talk Live. The Terran Federation and the Terran League have been killing each other for decades. Sheltered, wealthy, and light years from the threat, the members of the 500 have no interest in changing that. When Rear Admiral Terrence Murphy is given governorship of a backwater system, a risk-free path to wealth and power is his for the taking. But Murphy is a man of honor, duty, and responsibility. He intends to stop the killing, whatever the cost. Governor by David Weber and Richard Fox from BainBooks.com. It's Free Talk Live here at Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. There's still time if you want to come check out Fork Fest. It is lasting until July the 4th, and you are definitely invited. There's no tickets. All you have to do is show up and get your camping site, RV site, or motel room. You can find out more at ForkFest.Party. We're here until then. With you from Rogers Campground today, it's Aria. And Peakless Mountaineer. And we've been talking about libertarians in general. And, you know, the, the news broke yesterday. Mm. 
John McAfee is dead. Oh, man. And You know, a, a drug-fueled existence can't last forever. Well, not not when you... He made it to, like, what, 74, 75 years old? Yeah. He's an old dude to be doing that much cocaine. Yes. Yes, he is. <laughs> but, hey, Ozzy made it, and he's probably done a bit more cocaine than even John McAfee. That's that's probably true. So, John McAfee was it must being be, held... It must be the bat heads, you know, that it, it, uh, it has a synthetic uh, uh, emergence of drug power. And if not that, then hookers. Ah, Def- definitely hookers. C- could be the hookers. So he was being held in a Spanish jail awaiting extradition to the United mm. States. And the Spanish court ruled to extradite him. Mm. He was then found dead in his cell. Now, this raises a lot of questions because McAfee has been posting all over the internet about how he would never kill himself, right? Mm. Which so, I believe. That man loves living. Well... But do you love living enough to be 70-something years old and spending the rest of your life in prison? So, I mean, what's the point of life at that point? So I, I, I don't know if he killed himself or not, but I do know that John McAfee is the type of guy who would spend months saying he wasn't going to kill himself just so that he could later kill himself and create all, all manner of crazy conspiracy theories about whether or not he actually killed himself. Because John McAfee is that special type of lunatic. He, he was a wacky dude. He was. Yeah, he, I, he I loved this, him to death. He had Man, this he weird was combination of complete bat s insanity <laughs> and at the same time coherent philosophy that he would like. He'll put the coherent philosophy down on the website and it's like, oh, well, that's brilliant and simple. And then you hear him talk and it's like, oh, wow. And then next thing you know, he's talking about having sex with Wells. And it all makes sense if you <laughs> understand John McAfee. It's like, yep. That's John McAfee, always crazy. I don't think he killed himself, though. I don't think he's even dead. I think he faked his own death to avoid having to eat a certain part of his body on national television. <laughs> That's my conspiracy theory. He's really alive, but you know, he I, doesn't want to do I, that. I appreciate that perspective, and uh, <laughs> that is now part of my worldview. Thank you. Yeah, anytime. So, And honestly, I mean, he had the resources to at least have a good shot at pulling something like that off. He does. I mean, he... He at one point said on Twitter, I think, that the U.S. government took everything from him. And that's that's probably true. But did they really? get his did cryptocurrency? Not? Yeah, that's that's my thought. It's like, dude, And dude, he's John really? McAfee. Seriously. Whatever they took from him, he could earn back. Right. Because he's done that repeatedly right. over the course of his life. He came back to the United States broke with like $20 to his name. Yeah, I mean that that guy made himself rich back when you could back when you couldn't just like oh well I'm gonna buy some Bitcoin now and wait a year and a half and oh look it doubled, like he was able to make himself fabulously wealthy before you could do crazy stuff like that. Yeah, so I can't imagine how wealthy he really was or how much of it the U.S. government actually seized. But ultimately, the his death, assuming he is dead, and you know. I'm joking when I say he faked his own death. He he is probably dead, and he probably did kill himself, and he probably did spend months saying he wouldn't kill himself just so that people would then speculate after his death that he was actually killed by the U.S. government because he's freaking John McAfee, and he's crazy. I, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly keeping open the window that he might just show up, honestly. Like you- yeah, I mean, he w- he certainly faked his own arrest once just mm-hmm. to see if the media would spread the story, and they did. So maybe he faked his own death just to see if the media would spread the story. I don't think that's the case. But it's it's hard to know with the giant question mark and just general confusion that is John McAfee the person. 
So who what, the hell knows? So how officially did he die? Like what? What, what is there? There's their been no story? investigation yet, huh. and of course, if there is an investigation, it will be the, you know the prison guards investigating or the prison investigating his death. But, and uh, was he in fact missing a part of his anatomy? And he just finally fulfilled the bet. Was it? <laughs> well, it's speculated that he hung himself, mm. and you know, much like Epstein did not, mm-hmm. as John McAfee would have said. Who um, who knows though? I mean, it sucks because I do believe he's dead, and you know, we lost a wonderful human being and a a truly special, unique person and a spectacular entertainer. He is, but also shady. Oh yeah. And, and I don't, I don't want to, you know, idolize him after his death, but I will never forget receiving messages from John McAfee attempting to shill some sort of scam coin to me. Hmm. And as I asked questions about it, like, hey, this doesn't even sound legitimate. Hmm. This, none of this sounds right. Who owns the private keys here? And he was like, I'm just trying to help you make money. Okay, I get that. But <clears throat> you're asking me for money in the process. He ended up blocking me. As a result of my questioning How dare him you about ask this. me yeah. questions about my scam coin. So he was certainly a shady guy, but you know, even then he could have earned back whatever the U.S. government took for him simply by agreeing to shill more of these scam coins because there are plenty. Mm-hmm. And hey, here's twenty five thousand dollars. Tweet about us. Talk about us. He was certainly willing to do it. Yeah. Yeah, and when you have that well-known of a name, especially in a pertinent circle like libertarianism when it comes to uh, cryptocurrency, yeah, yeah, you can turn that into some quick cash. I was really hoping he was going to run for president in 2020 and then in 2024, but, you know, that's that's not the world that we live in, and now he's dead, and that sucks. Cryptocurrency lost a powerful advocate. Hey, I wouldn't put it past him, honestly. Um, for all we know, let's, he at least, let's run John McAfee for twenty twenty four. Let's do it. I'm telling you. And for all I know, he like has some pre recorded message that will suddenly get released to announce his run for presidency, whether he's alive or not. I know in 2020 or 2019, he before he messaged me about that crypto nonsense that turned out to be you know a scam coin. He was messaging me. He wanted people to. To walk around wearing essentially iPads in front of their faces so that he could interact with people on the streets. And he was just, you were going to be the, the robot walking around for him so that he could communicate with people directly because he couldn't be in the United States. <laughs> and I was like, just bizarre. The most McAfee thing I'd ever heard, right? Here, I, I, I can think of an amount of money that I'd be forehead. willing to like carry around an iPad for you. Yeah. Well, I, I wasn't willing to do it because that, that's just not how I do things. But a truly, <laughs> truly unique individual that there is no doubt about that. Yeah. And an excellent fact. advocate for liberty, despite being really new to the Libertarian Party. I, into, was it 2016 that he ran or 2012? Um, I'm not sure. I don't recall either. But whatever year it was that he ran, it was against Gary Johnson and... Uh, that Peterson dude, the the irrelevant so, Republican, whatever um, his name is. See, yeah, I think that would have been 2016. And I wasn't even going to watch the presidential debates uh, among the libertarians because I was like, they're libertarians. What could they possibly disagree about? That's how, <laughs> right? I was really? Like, oh, come on. Watching libertarian debates is great. Yes, I did. What's next? A license for my own damn toaster? <laughs> Yes, but I didn't know that then, right? <laughs> I, I was like, they're just going to apply the non-aggression principle to every issue, and then there's nothing to really debate about. I, 
I went in. Wouldn't support- that be nice? That, that's what I expected. I went in supporting Gary Johnson, not knowing that much about him. And within 10 minutes of hearing him talk, I was like, nope, I am not supporting this guy. Mm-hmm. And Austin Peterson was just as bad in different directions. Then you had John McAfee there, who was just consistently applying the non-aggression principle. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yep, that's my guy right there. And, yep. of course, I was a tech person, so I already knew who John McAfee was and, you know, followed him. And then he started talking about having sex with Wells, and I was like, yep, that's my president. <laughs> that, that, that crazy one over there? Not, no, not the one with the boot on his head. The next one. The other crazy one. The one doing the bath salts. <laughs> that's my president. Oh, man, oh. it could have been such, a, such an amazing world if McAfee had won in 2016. And everyone's like, no, we need, a, we need Gary Johnson because he's going to be the most presentable and I'm like, I'm, well, yeah, and, but... And that's why I am super jazzed about the, the uh, takeover of the Libertarian Party so that they don't run bloody Gary Johnsons and stuff anymore. They should have. In a world where the two most senile people in the United States ran against each other for president, the Libertarians are the crazy ones in. for not putting the guy with the boot on his head as their nominee. Oh, yeah. More coming up from ForkFest. This is Free Talk Live. From the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire at Rogers Campground. You've got to get down here and join us. It's a beautiful day. The wind is blowing through. There's nowhere else on earth that is a better place to be. They're surrounded by something like 2,000 ish other libertarians, is what I'm expecting mm-hmm. so far. And it's only Thursday. Yeah. You know, Friday and Saturday are going to be insanely busy. Oh, We're yeah. at 85% capacity right now. And I know that they have sold enough tickets to where they're not even selling day passes for Saturday because it's Rogers Campground itself is at capacity as of Saturday. So it's going to be (laughs) interesting to see that many libertarians all congregating in a single place and lots of awesome, interesting people to talk to, such as Connor here, who is of the AmericansForFairTreatment.org. Now, can you tell me about this? You're... Your sign over there talks about public sector unions. Can you describe what that is to me? Correct. Yeah. So uh, what we do at Americans for Fair Treatment is we help public sector employees, uh, current and former, move from a place of union dependence to a place of union independence. So that can take a lot of forms. But uh, what we are really uh, passionate about is the constitutional rights of all these individuals uh, who are unfortunately violated on a regular basis by public sector unions. So teachers unions, uh, uh, any other union that represents government employees. So police unions, teacher unions, all of those sorts of things. Absolutely, They're exploiting the members of their unions, essentially. Yeah, you know, there are so many different situations that come up, and sometimes it's as simple as, uh, hey, I want to leave the union, and the union won't let me leave. And other times it's as complicated as uh, people have been siphoning money out of the union uh, pot, right? Taking all this money from teachers, from firefighters, from nurses, and spending it on things like themselves or politics, uh, both of which uh, really get people worked up for very good reason, right? Money's coming out of your paycheck. You want to have a say in, in what happens with that. And with these public sector unions, they often don't. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. They, I, I've uh, they never been part of a union. Mm-hmm. I have no idea how they really function, <laughs> except that, you know, there's probably a fair bit of underheadedness going on in there with how funds are being used and all of that. 
I know that companies in general don't like it when their employees unionize, but you know mm. they realistically can't stop it. So, yeah, what I, 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 I've been uh, generally pro-union, but like thing like everything else, the government yeah. tends to get involved and muck it up. Yep. I mean, it's unfortunate, right? I mean, I think what we'd say is we deal specifically with public sector unions, which mm-hmm. adds a couple additional wrinkles. Yeah, right? I always thought that was the weirdest idea in the first place. Like, okay, isn't isn't the whole point of a union that, like, you have these greedy capitalists right. that are taking all your <laughs> excess labor, and aren't you supposed to be, like, you know, represented by, by right. the government and therefore wouldn't need a union in any of the public sector things? And yeah. apparently that's not, not, not the way they feel. Well, it's a real shame, too, because if you think about it, when public sector unions, uh, really what unions do really well is they create tension, mm-hmm. right, between management and between employees. And what they say is, hey, listen, we're going to help ease this out because the management has certain wishes, the employees have certain wishes. So we're going to have a finite uh, resource to pull from, which is the constraint that you have to bargain on all of these wages and benefits. Unfortunately, when you get government involved, it's the unions that are helping elect the very politicians that they then sit across Mm. the table from and negotiate against. So the members and the taxpayers are unfortunately left either at the whim of these very powerful organizations or, in the case of the taxpayers, footing the bill with very little say and very little oversight, which is very concerning. And I know one of the uh, major objections a lot of people uh, have to unions is that they will use their union dues to support uh, politics that they disagree with. And, I I mean, it sounds like uh, when they're negotiating Negotiating in the public sector, like you don't have like a limited amount of uh, of dollars that you're actually negotiating for because it's government. Right. If uh, if they're underfunded, they'll just get more funding. <laughs> yeah, taxes work like that, right? There's right. this huge pot of money which is the American public, and uh, one of the things that that happens there too is it becomes very partisan. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, we'd say at Americans for Fair Treatment, you know, your right to join a union is really important, mm-hmm. but so is the right to leave or step away from, especially right. if the organization isn't representing your best interests. Sure. So you see roughly... I mean, like anything, it seems like it would be ideal to have, you know, competing unions mm-hmm. within a company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That Absolutely. way a person can, you know, vote with their wallet and give their money to whichever union yeah. they believe best represents them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the practice that you're talking about is something called exclusive representation, mm. where a union comes in and they earn the right to bargain on behalf of every single employee. And what that means is they can't have competition. There are no competing unions. So it gives them a tremendous amount of power. Right. Um, this is something that's being challenged in the courts. But the Supreme Court just two weeks ago refused to hear a case mm. challenging exclusive representation. So for at least for the time being, unions kind of have this really powerful tool in their back pocket, which is even if you leave the union, right, you can opt out. Any government employee can opt out of the union, remove uh, the money going from your paycheck to the union. But even if you leave, the union still gets to represent you at the bargaining table, Mm. which is crazy. That is That's a big problem. So they get to use you as a bargaining chip, whether you Mm -hmm. like it or not, simply because, you know, you work for the same company or institution that this union supposedly represents. Right. Exactly. And is there any hope? Uh, you said the Supreme Court just declined to hear a case. Is there any... Do you know why they declined to hear it? I mean, you know, I know the Supreme yeah. Court is full of all sorts of legal nonsense, but... Yeah. So oh, this is political. Just, we won't hear it. Right. Everything's exactly. political. What, what are you... Uh, 
Yeah. Uh, you know, the Supreme Court's notoriously tight-lipped about why they uh, declined to hear cases. So it could okay. be that they're waiting for another case that fits a better set of facts. But um, it's also could be the case that they're sitting around and they just we call it counting to five. Right. If they can't count to five because it's this jockeying to say, hey, could we put together a majority? Uh, and if they can't get enough people on that train they're not going to take the case because it could set precedent. Um, there is a silver lining, right? I'm an optimist. I'd really, okay. really fight for that. That's good. Um, I mean, it's good to be optimistic. I, I try, right? I'm sitting in they beautiful New Hampshire. It's sunny, right? Like I, I don't have a lot to complain about right now. Um, but there's also good news for public sector employees, which is that there are union officials who are standing up. Uh, there's a guy out in California, the brand new president of SEIU 1000, and he ran on a platform that said, we are going to disaffiliate from the national union. We are going to 100% stop all political contributions. And he otherwise just said, hey, I'm going to be about my members instead of about this big political machine. So the the forces come from inside. uh, And then every government employee should know they also have the power to remove the financial means of the organizations if they are not serving them. You can opt out. That's something that we do at Americans for Fair Treatment is help people opt out, fill out a one-page form. We'll walk you through all the steps um, just to make sure that your rights are protected and your freedoms are protected. Now, how many different public sector unions are there? I mean, we mentioned teachers unions. There's obviously, I'm sure there's fire unions and... But Police what other unions. types are there? Are there yeah. like city clerk unions or there anything? Are. There are. Yeah, uh, judicial clerk union. There's any, any government empl- any government employee um, can be unionized. So you have all of these. You have all of these unions uh, all across the country. Many of them. So I, I don't. I'm not even sure I can put a solid number to it. Wow, that's. I, I would not have expected there to be that many public sector unions. I mean, especially for the you know, clerks and judicial yep. unions and things like that. I didn't expect it, but now that I think about it, I should have because, I mean, you've got money and power and mm-hmm. that's always going to attract people to put the work in and, oh, look, now I get to represent so many people whether they like it or not. <laughs> and most of them are giving me money to do so. And that means I can pay this this uh, uh, politician so I have even more political power. We call it the vicious cycle because yeah. it is. It's absolutely vicious, and unfortunately, it's the teachers and these – because I, I think there's a big difference. People often conflate like teachers with teachers' unions, and they right. say, oh, well, teachers and teachers' unions are the same thing. But unfortunately, most teachers' voices are being subdued by the union that claims to represent them. And many of them, the balance between, I'm going to say just broad strokes, you know, conservatives and liberals, is much closer to 50-50. But the amount of political money is spent is 97% toward Democrats, uh, which is just on its face something that tells me these organizations are not representing their members in the best way possible. Well, I, I mean, a teacher's union shouldn't be donating to political campaigns in the first place. But, I mean, obviously they're going to. Now, americansforfairtreatment.org is what you represent. And you mentioned you help people opt out, mm-hmm. which means they stop paying their dues, right? Is there a... Correct. Is there some sort of infrastructure you have to help people not claim to be represented by these various unions that aren't actually representing them after they've opted out? Yeah, so we do a few things, right? Our mission is, you know, educating and empowering public sector employees. We actually run a community program. So one of the things I, I want to give unions credit for doing one thing, and that is creating a community. It's always sure. nice to have people who support uh, and, and we'll stand behind you. And, you know, that idea of union solidarity. So we actually have a community. Once folks have opted out, they can 
be a free member with us. They get many of the same perks. We can help them get liability insurance, all of these things that a union might provide. And we can do it without all of the, uh, well, moral issues that people right. might come across. So yes, after folks have opted out, we have a community support and we also uh, refer folks to free legal help. Because uh, unfortunately, that's another situation that comes up. There's a lot of legal issues. Uh, so we have a, an array of organizations and we'll put you in touch with the best one for free. Awesome. That's AmericansForFairTreatment.org. Thank you so much for joining us today, Connor. That's AmericansForFairTreatment.org. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. Carl Watner, longtime proponent of a voluntary society, died last December. You may have seen his articles published on his website, Voluntarius.com, in his newsletter, The Voluntarist, the Mises Institute, or elsewhere over the last 40 years. His newest book, I Must Speak Out, Volume 2, The Best of the Voluntarist, is now available via Liberty Under Attack Publications. This 430-page second volume spans the years of 2000 through 2020 and includes articles by Carl Watner, Hans Hermann Hoppe, Carl Hess, Benjamin Tucker, George H. Smith, Lysander Spooner, Pete Ayer, Joyce Brand, and many others. I Must Speak Out is for the newly initiated, the veteran voluntarist, or anywhere in between. Buy the book now at libertyunderattack.com slash voluntarist. For more great content on building a voluntary society and for Carl's extensive archives, check out voluntarist.com. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live coming at you from Fork Fest 2021 here at Rogers Campground. It's a beautiful day, beautiful place to be. Can't think of anywhere else that's better. Joined by Lee and Ashton Birdie here. Now, you were just telling us a really interesting story. Uh, you had a podcast. Right. And like three episodes into it, you pissed off Apple and <laughs> they removed you from their platform yeah so i have a youtube channel originally i have 160,000 followers on that youtube channel i mean the algorithms mess with me on youtube but i still fairly get some good views uh from my very loyal subscribers who i consider family and they're amazing but i decided to start a daily podcast i thought you know maybe it would up my chances of getting the you know the talk more out there and get more people to listen and understand and right. maybe get less shadow banned because i hear people have a better way with podcasts uh, they get less censored. So I made three episodes. I wasn't getting any views. Um, granted, I wasn't promoting it as much as my YouTube channel. But within three episodes after focusing on the edgier stuff, like great old Jeff Jeffrey Epstein, 9-11, uh, you know, all the kind of you know typical stuff just to test it out, I got basically thrown off the platform completely. All the typical stuff that you get silenced for. Exactly. So uh, you can't now talk you about vaccinations. You can't talk about Jeffrey Epstein. You can't talk about 9-11. You can't talk about Waco. Uh, any of that stuff, apparently. Were you just using Apple's podcasts for your show? Yeah. Again, okay. I'm new to podcasts. Right. It was just sort of test it out and see like how it goes. Um, again, I am more of a YouTube person. I'm, I'm, str I'm a comedian. I, I do stand-up comedy. I do all kinds of stuff. So I like using my hands and making facial features, facial expressions, and sure. being a cartoon character. But I thought, you know, a podcast would be a great way to get more of what I wanted the people to hear out there. Um, and sure enough, Apple censored me after three episodes. Well... That's certainly a big issue. Big tech censorship is something that we've run into repeatedly here on Free Talk Live. We're currently banned from YouTube. Right. Uh, well, we have two strikes for, quote, medical, 
medical misinformation. So we're currently You not- disagreed with the yeah. World Health Organization or CDC at the time that they were saying the thing <laughs> right. instead of the time when they said the opposite of the thing. So we're currently not streaming to the Free Talk Live YouTube channel because one more strike and the channel gets permanently deleted. No way to undo that. And we run into similar issues on Facebook, uh, Twitter. I'm currently banned from Facebook for another 11 days or something because it's Pride Month. And that happens to me every Pride Month (laughs) because I say things that the LGBT community doesn't (laughs) like. Like, stop taking pride in characteristics, you racist, you sexist, you bigots, and start taking pride in accomplishments, which is something that makes them go crazy because... Which is funny because Pride is basically bought out by corporations now and the government. I mean, oh, did yeah. you see the CIA videos that came out? Like, mm-hmm. we we are... Cis, we are... I'm Like, that lady came out and she's like, I'm an immigrant. I'm a woman, child of immigrants and I'm a cisgender millennial with anxiety disorder. And then you have another one who's like, I'm a gay fed. And it's like, great, but you're still a fed. <laughs> great. Fantastic. Yeah. You More female people. mass murderers. It's like, you know I mean, what? The types of people that we should be throwing bricks at, right? But it's like, it's like great, so you're dropping nukes but at least the person dropping the nukes is a as a trans woman of color you know what i'm saying it's like great you, you haven't fixed any of the problems we're well, still that, run that by corporations out, right? we're still run by war at the end of the day as long as we're waving a rainbow flag in the saudi arabia we're, we're all good right that's been my issue with a lot of it right and that's why we don't see many uh, anti-war democrats anymore because oh Bush and Trump, they were the ones dropping those mean, evil bombs. No, Obama and Biden, they're dropping these happy, <laughs> loving bombs. They're, they're bombing bomb. you out of love. <laughs> the drone strikes mean nothing to these people. I mean, growing up, you know, I was raised by two people. I was raised by an entire family. I'm from I'm from Berkeley, California. I was born and raised in Berkeley, California. So all my family is basically white wine liberals. And they all talk about how they protested Vietnam. They were anti-war. But then they go ahead. Yeah, what happened to that guy? Yeah, I know. And then, and then they go ahead and vote for Obama for a second term after his drone strikes. And so me in high school, you know, I think that's what really piqued my interest in politics because, you know, I found Alex Jones for a World of Warcraft server. OK, uh, and then during my high school career, that's when Ulbrich happened. That's when Snowden happened. That's when the Sandy Hook shooting happened. That's right. when Assange happened. That's when all of these crazy things happened. So here I was, this blue haired kid, you know, listening to Green Day every day. Thinking to myself, wow, all this crazy stuff's happening in the world. Let me look into what's going on. Instead of being that kid, I, I got in a fight when I was in history class one day because this kid was like, after the Sandy Hook shooting, he was like, why don't we just ban all the guns? And I'm like, and sort of a light bulb went on in my head. And I think that's what really like pushed me. And I, I think, sure. you know, naturally I've always been the black sheep. That's like re- really sort of pushed my rebellion. And ever since I've sort of questioned everything in my life. Well, but, it's a bizarre mentality, you know, hey, this person with a gun did a bad thing. So we need to get rid of all, all guns. It's. That's clearly not the way it works. If you, if you do that, then only criminals are well, going to right, be the ones Well, right, exactly. That was sort of the light bulb went off my head. But after that, it was sort of like a snowball effect of everything else was going on in the world. I mean, I got in trouble all the time. I started riots on my campus. I mean, I went to, you know, I, I got, you know, I didn't get in, like, physical fights, but I got, like, in shouting matches with people. I skipped school because I wanted to go protest SeaWorld. Um, I was awesome. I, was a, I hate SeaWorld. I was and a, I hate zoos. And everyone else is like, but I love zoos. I'm like, dude, they're inhumane and evil. <laughs> Stop supporting them. It's, it's just, it's wild to me that, like, you know, it, it's funny to me because I never really considered myself a liberal or conservative until, I think, the Trump era. Uh, then I started considering myself more conservative. But really, but looking back at it now, it was sort of just a four years of a mistake, honestly. Uh, sure. Because, you know, I mean, we all thought the same thing. Like, oh, this is the guy who's going to take away the Republican Party He's from the inside. Exactly, you know, but then you watch this guy and it's like, oh, there's another strike in Syria. Yeah, we're still waiting on Julian Assange getting pardoned, you guys. It's going to happen any day now. He's going to close Guantanamo Bay any second. 
I also fell into that trap. I I supported Obama during his uh, first presidential election, but after that, because you know he was supposed to be the peace president, they gave him a Nobel Peace Prize. I was like, great, finally, an end to war. Let's do this. And then all he did was create more war. Well, so, exactly. I mean, the whole reason I hated Hillary Clinton was because she was banging on the war drums. Man, she was the entire presidential uh, cycle, or yeah. whatever it was yeah, back for, then. She for was, me, that was all about. She wanted. She made it clear she wanted war with Russia. That was a big surprise for me when Trump came in. Is usually when we have a Republican president, we have anti-war left people. Well, to like, be fair, that's, that's just how Rand goes. Paul does run under Republican, but you know, I mean, Ron Paul didn't he run under Republican technically too? Yeah, or is he, yeah, yeah, he did. I yeah. ran as a Republican. Hmm? I ran as a Republican. Oh yeah, yep. actually, can we talk about that really quick? I really <laughs> sure. want to. I really want to touch bases on the fact that you ran as a Republican, and didn't people get mad about that when they found out? <laughs> they, they did. Yes. <laughs> But Even just, though all they had to, all they ever had to do was just, just Google you. me, right? Yeah, but I mean, like the, the whole R versus D thing is just—it's absolutely ridiculous. It's like people want to understand what's wrong in the world. It's like, well, maybe stop voting between R and D and wondering why we get the exact same thing every year when the same R and D are run both by the same corporations, warmongers. The, the same thing—they're run by these same elites. So they're really not really getting a different party. You're just voting for the quote-unquote lesser of two evils. Really? I like the way that, uh, I can't remember his name, the former governor, Jesse Ventura, I like the way he characterized mm-hmm. it as mm-hmm. politics just being like identical to pro wrestling, you know. Yeah. In front of people, they pretend to be enemies, but ba- in the backstage, they're all on the same team. Well, well, I have found one difference between politics and pro wrestling. So, in, in pro well, wrestling... Well, we know pro wrestling is fake. Well, well, yes, of course. <laughs> that's not the difference. No. In pro wrestling, so when, you, when they actually, you know, go to the bar and hang out with each other, like, they're actually decent people. Whereas uh-huh. politicians, they're all the heel. Yeah. I mean, I, when I was living in D.C., we used to go to Trump Hotel all the time, and I would just see people from CNN. I would see Democratic candidates hanging out. I'm like, that's a little strange. And I was at Cassandra Fairbanks at the time. And she's like, yeah, they're all on the same team, as you were saying. Yeah, they're all on the same team. They're all working for the same warmongers and corporations. The same warmongers and corporations, by the way, who, again, speaking of pride, uh, just use all of these political movements to to drive us against each other. I mean, think about it. during Occupy Wall Street. Again, that was the time that I was like in high school and I really got excited about politics. I wanted to run away to New York and sleep in a tent and not for Occupy Wall Street. I was 16. My parents said no, obviously. Um, but I just remember during Occupy Wall Street, everyone was working together. You saw the, who's the guy who plays the Hulk? He was out there in the streets. Wrote like uh, I think uh, uh, Roseanne was out in the street. All these different people were working together because they knew the banks were corrupt. They knew there was a, a similar enemy, and then we were all. It wasn't about right versus left anymore. It wasn't about Democrat versus Republican like it was during the Bush era. It was focusing on this one evil. And then two years later, BLM happens, and everyone split. Yeah. And so they're using identity mm-hmm. politics to really tear people apart when it comes to the main issues. They don't want us thinking about the war. They don't want us thinking about corporations. They don't want us thinking about the big banks. And then for those who do think about the corporations, either you are a libertarian, or I don't want to say libertarian, but like you're a you're a Republican enthusiast, you know, who claims to be a libertarian, uh, is, is pro-corporation all the way, or you're a full-on Marxist, communist, or socialist. Well, thank you so much, Ashton Birdie, for joining us. Uh, where can people find more of your content? I have a YouTube channel. I am known as Ashton Birdie, A-S-H-T-O-N-B-I-R-D-I-E. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us today. Fascinating story. I intend to look up your channel. We're Free Talk Live, and we are continuing all the way up until July the 4th. You're welcome to join us. It's Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. 
Coming at you from Fort Fest 2021 here at Rogers Campground. It's a beautiful day. You know, Mark mentioned yesterday that there was sort of an an overcast feeling. Everything sort of felt muted. And I reminded, you know, I said this before we even came out here. It was obviously going to be that way because there are some notable people not here this year, such mm. as Ian Freeman, who, you know, no one built a fork fest, but if any one person could conceivably be credited with creating Forkfest, it would be Ian Freeman, who isn't able to attend. So obviously, there's going to be a cloud over the entire festival that Ian Freeman helped build when Ian Freeman can't be here. And that's because, as we were talking about just a moment ago, uh, off air, we were raided on March the 16th. You can find out more about that at thecrypto6.com. That's a numeral six, or spelled out, it doesn't matter, thecrypto6.com. In, in stuff related to cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, essentially, uh, banks run the U.S. government, mm. and they use them as their enforcement branch. And that's mm-hmm. essentially what the FBI is doing here. The banks aren't happy, so the FBI isn't happy. And they did, in fact, take Free Talk Live down off of the air for one night. We were back on the air the next night. And then we sort of hobbled along for a few months while Ian was unjustly being held Finally, he was released, and that just created a... I expected it to make my life a lot easier. Oh, thank God. (laughs) Ian's back. I can go back to, you know, doing my two nights a week, and everything will be fine. But no, as it turned out, that wasn't the case at all. We ended up having to build a second studio, which will be fully autonomous here shortly. And we were talking about Bitcoin, and you have some strong opinions, Ashton, about El Salvador. (laughs) I have strong opinions about Bitcoin in general, the banks in general. Uh, I you're speaking to the choir on that. I mean, Mm -hmm. look, I love Bitcoin. I really do. I like the concept of it taking down the Fed. I hate Bitcoin. I love Bitcoin Cash. I love Monero. Right. Okay. Right. Exactly. But here's the thing: I do not butterflies. You can't hate caterpillars, and they all kind of started there. Yeah. My problem with Bitcoin is is that I have this personal uh, theory that Bitcoin is going to be replace the Fed. I have this theory that Bitcoin is basically going to be used to put us into the next market crash. Because think about it. Right now, everyone's hyped up on Bitcoin. Elon Musk is pushing Bitcoin, and I do not trust Elon Musk. I do not trust anything he does. No, he's a he welfare does. whore. I, yeah, I do not trust him whatsoever. Um, he didn't even make Tesla. He just bought off Tesla. Did you see that anonymous video, by the way? Anyway. Um, oh, yeah. We, we uh, did an entire uh, night on that one. Yeah. Um, But I have this theory on Bitcoin that it's pretty much going to be a subsidy for for, uh, the government. Well, I Um, mean, that's that's why the whole Crypto 6 thing is happening in the first place. They want Coinbase and Kraken and Gemini and Binance and all these companies that will play ball with the United States government to be the ones determining who can have crypto, how much crypto they can have, where they can withdraw that crypto to, who they can send it to. And without Coinbase and Gemini and Kraken keeping track of all of that in the same way that Bank of America and Wells Fargo do now, the U.S. government can't control it. Right. But if they do have Coinbase on their side, if they do have Gemini and Kraken and all of that, and Gemini... And Robin Hood. Yeah. And they say, no, you you can't withdraw to this wallet because we don't know exactly who it belongs to. This this wallet hasn't registered with us or Mm -hmm. with FinCEN. We're not letting you withdraw your money there. 
It's exactly what they do now with, uh, okay, well, all of the banking institutions will do everything that they say. So when they say, hey, you need to take this much out of their account because they owe us this for this, banks are happy to do that. And I'm absolutely certain that all of the uh, all of these uh, third-party services that will hold on to your keys for you will be just as happy to do that when the government tells them to. I mean, most people have never really seen how evil and horrible banks really are, but I have had them reach directly into my accounts and take up to $12,000 out at a given time to send it off to somewhere else with absolutely no legal recourse. I call them and say, hey, you can't just do that. Oh, yes, we can, because it's our money, not yours. And we might cut you a check for the remaining balance within the next six months. We might not. Uh, the Capital One has a 360 bank. And I don't know what the details are on that, but they've been holding some of my money since August of 2019. Mm-hmm. Near, nearly two years later, they're still holding my money. Wells Fargo, when they closed my account, they held it for about six months. Well, what scares me about Bitcoin is that if, if it's, for example, the, the banks crashed. If the banks can crash, so can Bitcoin. So if Bitcoin gets crashed or hacked or whatever, you know, only the rich are going to have the means to buy it back again. If Bitcoin is the main currency and not fiat anymore, that's going to put a lot of people who put their faith in cryptocurrency in danger. That's my biggest uh, issue. Well, how so? so? What I do you mean? I don't think How does that, that put them in will, danger? If uh, so, I mean, if only if if cryptocurrency is the main form of currency and they mm-hmm. can't buy cryptocurrency back because only the rich have the means to buy it back. The issue I see is that they will have only be able to buy it back via Coinbase or Kraken or Gemini or one of these other exchanges that right. are going to force them to get KYC to death, which is know your customer, and submit all of these forms just like banks do now. If you go to your bank, say, hey. I want to withdraw, you know, $15,000 out of my account. They're going to ask you a long list of questions about why you want that money and what you're going to do with it. Exactly. Does it matter? It's my money. And right. the elites are not going to have to go through that process at all. You know yeah. that. Cause right. Because they're the elites. They can do whatever they want. And these are exactly the reasons that I would love for any cryptocurrency, including Bitcoin, to replace fiat currency. Because, I mean, yeah, if it's it's all in in Coinbase and all of that, then they can do these terrible things and basically act like banks. But if you have your own keys, which is an option with with cryptocurrency, then they can't do any of this. For the time being. Uh, I mean, do you, do you're going to have to explain that one to me because like, I can literally sounded, hold right? my account information in my head. Yes, I, I'm aware. But the U.S. government, there are rumors they want to ban, you know, non-custodial wallets, which is where you own your own keys. That way, everyone has to have a custodial wallet with Coinbase or Uphold or Gemini or whoever. And if you do have your own wallet, presumably you're going to have to register it with FinCEN or well, some other I financial institution. I think the same thing is going to happen uh, when they banned heroin. Uh, you just make it a really valuable commodity that just drives the price exceedingly well, that's, high. That's yes, the, it's that's dangerous. That's the problem. But... The war on drugs has proven that to be a problem, though, don't you know? I mean, so the thing is, that's exactly what's going to happen, but that's not a good thing. That's the point. Well, and, and I don't think they're actually going to ban it, because every time that uh, it's been attempted, like China attempted to ban uh, mining uh, cryptocurrency, and at the moment, the majority of Bitcoin gets mined in China, in spite of the fact that they have just absolutely de- draconian laws against uh, mining it at all. But it's it's profitable enough that it's worth the risk. That doesn't make laws okay. Oh, no, I don't absolutely. believe in laws, sir. So you're talking to someone who just... Oh, no. I mean, obviously <laughs> not. Like, you... you, Yeah. That, that, that ain't voluntary. 
<laughs> but uh, no, obviously these aren't good. I'm just saying, like, in the world that we actually exist, trying to ban all of this is not going to work. No, but right. imagine how much better things would be if we didn't have to waste all of this energy circumventing government restrictions and regulations. Uh, also, speaking yeah. of El Salvador making Bitcoin a legal currency, a legalized currency, mm-hmm. when something becomes quote-unquote legalized, that doesn't mean it's freedom. It means right. the government takes a subsidy from it. For example, when they made marijuana free what happened it became a subsidy of the government speaking from as someone from california who literally grows up in the bay area it's it's the most taxed it's 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 anything it's more criminalized than ever oh the so. price of weed definitely went up and they followed the and legalization put a lot of independent businesses out of uh, business and more people are being put away into jails for nonviolent crimes if they don't have a quote-unquote license, so they don't have jurisdiction to sell it or grow it. It's That's the biggest issue with all of this. Marijuana has been legalized in more than half of the 50 states, and not one single nonviolent drug offender, drug seller, And Kamala Harris released. is the reason for it. She is. Well, thank you, Ashton, so much for joining us. That's Ashton Birdie, A-S-H-T-O-N-B-I-R-D-I-E. You can find her on YouTube. More coming up from Porkfest. This is Free Talk Live. After a devastating war, the alien visitors were driven back, and their willing human collaborators were left behind to face the music. When Emma Jean Anderson's ex-lover springs her from prison, Nathan Foster and his 14-year-old nephew Ben are tasked with bringing the pair to justice. An easy enough job until they discover something is inside Emma Jean, and the fate of the planet hangs in the balance. The Family Business by Mike Coopery from BaneBooks.com. It's Free Talk Live, broadcast from ForkFest 5, 2021 at Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. And there's still time for you to get down here and join us if you're inclined. I believe the Porcupine Freedom Festival is full, but ForkFest is not. You can certainly still come check us out June the 28th through July the 4th. I want to say about Freedom's Phoenix, it's your source for all news, economic news, government overreach, insane government spending, and more. Get today's headlines all in one place from a fresh libertarian perspective. You can find that and more at freedomsphoenix.com. That's freedoms with an S, phoenix.com. Now, we're jo- Lee and I are joined now by Will. Now, you're a vendor here this year. That's, is that correct? That is correct. We are doing self-serve drinks, uh, things like that, for people to come by uh, where they can drop their gold backs, scan their QR code, whatever they want, take what they want. It's all on our system. I notice you have a lot of wine down there. Are you selling wine? We are. We are, in fact. Um, for okay. I'm glad to see someone carried that tradition on this year because last year we were selling wine for the price of one gold back. And... It was tremendously successful. I made a lot of gold last year mm-hmm. doing it. Of course, I spent a lot on the wine as well, but <laughs> I didn't spend any gold on the wine. So it was all just, it was an interesting way of turning USD into wine, which then got turned into gold. There was no part of it that I didn't love. <laughs> well, I Upgrades love the name. all the way. <laughs> I love the uh, Blood of Christ name as well. Yeah, <laughs> well, that, so I'm disappointed not to see that this year. Yeah, well, there was too much going on. Mm. I mean, I've got to be here doing the show. It, it really wouldn't take much effort. I still have the sign. Well, it wouldn't take much effort for me to put a, you know some boxes of wine there and be like, here, help yourself, but I didn't. Well, and it, it would be sad for you to not be able to take crypto for it, too. 
I didn't get a lot of crypto from it last year, though, because oh. it's, a, it's a lot of trouble. You just want a glass of wine. Most people would, would stumble by at 2 o'clock in the morning and go, oh, look, there's wine. <laughs> yeah, some and of they our... would just drop a gold back in the cup or whatever and help themselves. After 11, some of our clients coming through, they can barely make change. So yeah. <laughs> I could see fumbling through a crypto wallet being a little confusing. Mm. Yeah, uh, there wasn't a lot of crypto sales for wine, but... Did get a lot of goldbacks from it uh, this year. I'm I'm ending up with a lot of silver. I, I do intend to visit the goldback booth. The, the goldback people are here this year, which is it was a surprise to me. I didn't know they were coming, and suddenly I was getting a phone call for someone in Utah. It was late Monday night or Tuesday night. I said, no, I'm, not, "I'm not answering this. I don't know anyone in Utah." Then I got a text message from one of them. Like, hey, we're with Goldbacks. Uh, we we were told we could use your site. Well, of course you can. <laughs> You're the Goldback people. Let's do it. Right. So that was awesome. It's good to see Goldback representation here because, you know, the Absolutely. person who normally helps distribute Goldbacks mm-hmm. can't be here. It's great. They seem to have a lot of um, aspects of their business that I didn't know until actually talking to them. They have this vendor agreement program where they'll um, let you go uh, where they'll let you go through, sign this agreement, and they will buy them back from you at a set rate oh. up to five hundred per month. So if you're a brick and mortar location, you want to take gold backs, but you're That's not one hundred percent sure on how it's going to work as far as having liquidity versus gold, you can have that in your back pocket so that you can cash those in guaranteed at the retail rate. If you okay. uh, need that additional liquidity. So it seems right, like a really good deal. You can't pay your suppliers in gold backs usually. Right. Exactly. Not yet. Yeah, um, not hopefully yet. that will change. But um, that was a very interesting thing that I just found out from these guys. And it seems like a great program. Oh, that's I, I noticed that they're set up in, uh, in front of Kirby's Q now, which is the barbecue place from Alstead that's here every year. <laughs> and they, they serve wonderful food. I'm glad to see the two of them. The Kirby's Q people now have a sign up that says, you know, dinner is for gold backs. Mm-hmm. Instead of just dinner is... Fourteen dollars mm-hmm. or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. It's good to see things priced in actual goldbacks. Oh yeah, absolutely. And we're seeing a lot more of that this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, last year was the first time it had happened with the blood of Christ being sold for one goldback. Mm-hmm. Of course, it was. They were about three dollars each then. They're about four dollars each now. That's a little pricey for a glass of wine, but mm-hmm. people loved it. Yeah, and and that's that, that is definitely one of the advantages of goldbacks. I mean, it's going to be years before cryptocurrency has any kind of the the low volatility that you can actually price in any kind of crypto. But gold is uh, it is a steady enough change that you can actually price with it. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't fluctuate from you know forty thousand dollars an ounce to thirty thousand dollars an ounce in the course of you know seventy two hours in the right. way that cryptocurrency can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just off the top of my head, if I had to guess, I would guess maybe 10% of our sales have been in gold backs at the self-service kiosk, which is really surprising. I was really glad that those seem to be taking off here, even in Ian's absence. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, th- th- this was the first year for the New Hampshire gold back mm-hmm. to be available. And New Hampshire, people love New Hampshire. Uh, I'm not even from New Hampshire, but as soon as the New Hampshire gold back was like out, mm-hmm. I was like, yep. Screw the others. I still want one of each, you know, for just for the collection. Mm-hmm. But the main ones I want are the New Hampshire ones. And that's mm-hmm. the ones that they brought and the ones that they're selling. And it looks like they're having phenomenal success with it. People love it. It's gold that you can carry around in your hand and actually spend at a majority of vendors at the least. Right. So I'm, pl- I'm pleased to see it. I hear cryptocurrency usage is down. How, how, is that true? I have taken in very little cryptocurrency. I've had a few mm. miscellaneous transactions, but it seems a lot of people are holding through the dip rather than spending it. Um, it that seems to have played out. I've taken a lot of fee- fiat, a lot of um, goldbacks, a 
little bit of cryptocurrency, but not as much as I would normally expect. Okay. Well, I, I didn't consider that. Is is cryptocurrency in a dip right now? It's in a major dip. It's yeah. lost about forty five percent of its value over the last um, month yeah, or so. So yeah, what's it, it went at from now? Uh, it went from like in the sixty thousands to the like thirty thousands, and it's uh, I mean it's been coming back a little bit from when I've looked at it, but I mean it's still it's still nowhere near the uh, the peak that it was at. I and, don't have the legal freedom to just look up the value of Bitcoin, so I, I'm yeah. just curious in general what it's at. But I, I didn't anticipate you know a dip being the reason that people wouldn't spend it here at. Forkfest. I mean, it's it's always going up and down, and I would expect most of the people here to be aware of that. And just like, well, I can just spend it today well, and repurchase so, it tomorrow. I mean, it is always going up and down, but I mean, like the biggest the, the biggest crypto is obviously Bitcoin, which you have to pay like five or fifty bucks to make a transaction on. So, I mean, people will use that for large transactions, right? Which I mean, like buying houses and buying cars is a thing that you do when the weather is nice. So, uh, people people liquidate a bunch of their Bitcoin, and that brings the the price of the entire currency market down while it's nice and warm. Then fall comes around and it shoots back up okay fair point so it looks like right now btc is at thirty four thousand six hundred, which is actually okay. uh, about a five percent bump over the last few days but well, i mean um, it's significantly up from where it was i mean what was it a year ago like eight thousand nine thousand oh, yeah. something like oh, that yeah <laughs> so it, i mean to, it, to, it's to, still to, doing incredible to characterize it as down is just uh <laughs> bizarrely narrow narrow in scope in my opinion yeah. It, yeah. it's it's up well, and, well, and you, Anyone who spent their STEMI on crypto is in a very good place right now. Oh, yeah. Yes, I hope people did that. I remember when the first stimulus check came out, the fourteen, the $1,200 ones, that was my general... I'm not a financial advisor, and I was not giving financial advice, but my general suggestion was, hey, take this stimulus and use it to buy cryptocurrency, use it mm-hmm. to buy Bitcoin. Anyone who did that took that $1,200 and turned it into... Roughly forty eight hundred dollars if they turned around and sold the cryptocurrency at today's value. Mm-hmm. So I mean that's a free thirty six hundred dollars for basically doing nothing. But yeah, why I, would you cash out? You know, keep the yeah. keep, keep the mm-hmm. Bitcoin. Yeah, as strange as it as strange as it might sound, I'm I'm actually encouraged by the fact that people are spending less crypto now because that means that they are very confident that they'll be able to spend cryptocurrency not at uh, places like Porcupine Freedom Festival or Forkfest. Well, there are certainly a large number of places you can spend it. I know there's Purse.io, which allows people mm-hmm. to buy from Amazon using cryptocurrency. There's also... Uh, I there, can't think well, of Well, there's, uh, there's BitRefill and uh, uh, coin cards, which uh, are places where you can get uh, uh, gift cards for a whole lot of different things. Um, yeah, it's it's getting easier and easier to spend. They, there are a number of, of cryptocurrency-powered uh, uh, uh credit cards basically where they just sell off that amount of that crypto and turn that into dollars for your actual purchase so i mean it, so where where can people go to find your site uh rv102 uh, rv102 just down the hill um if you ask around for the self-service kiosk um they'll likely point you in our direction and it's also coincidentally right beside a number of aria Demeso for sheriff signs which oh, will absolutely. help people find it <laughs> So thank you so much for joining us. I hope the gold sales pick up for you. I, I love seeing people use gold backs like money because, I mean... They are they, money. And good money at that. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live.
Free Talk Live from Fort Fest 2021 here at Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. It's a wonderful place to be surrounded by other liberty-loving people. Everyone's friendly. It's a great time. I, you've got to get down here. We're here until July the 4th, and there's going to be a fireworks show on July the 3rd. There's all sorts of people to talk to, all sorts of things to do. Get up here and check it out. Forkfest.party is the website if you want to learn more. I'm sitting here now with Jason from Americans for Prosperity. Is yep. that correct? That is correct. And your your thing is healthcare. Yes. Okay, so tell me about your perspectives on healthcare and what exactly it is that you do in healthcare. Yeah, so I get to have I get the distinct pleasure that I get to travel the country talking about how we can reform healthcare and get rid of this kind of the government overlay of it and what individual healthcare means and what it means to bring healthcare to you. So that way instead of talking about this system and how this government takeover would work, we get to talk about your care, what's important to you. Okay. Yeah. I've always been of the mind that mm-hmm. probably the simplest and easiest way to fix health care would be to get government out of it and mm-hmm. so much as allow people with no training whatsoever to mm-hmm. open a medical practice if they mm-hmm. want. And if, you know, they end up killing people, you know, sue them for malpractice mm-hmm. or, you know, incarcerate them if, if it absolutely <laughs> comes to that. But mm-hmm. there's no reason that someone with a four-year degree in physical therapy or whatever can't diagnose pneumonia absolutely. or the flu yep. or something like that. Yep. Yeah, there's no reason that it can't be done by the community either. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a government entity that does that. Look at car mechanics. There's no national certification for Mm. car mechanics. Good point. But I wouldn't go to someone that's not ASC certified. That's a local nonprofit. Now, yeah, I, I can respect the argument of having some overarching national idea, but... If you're in the country, why can't you go state, even go state to state? Why can't someone from New Hampshire go to Massachusetts? I'm in Massachusetts. I've received care in New Hampshire. I've practiced here. I'm a paramedic. I've been in EMS for nearly 20 years. So I've cared for patients in Vermont, New Hampshire, and Massachusetts. Why do I have to have three separate state licenses to do almost the identical work in each state? That's a really good question. Speaking of cars mm-hmm. and, you know, car mechanics and all that, that's mm-hmm. been an interesting subject for me over the last several mm-hmm. years because health insurance doesn't work any way like insurance is supposed to, right? right. It certainly doesn't work in the way that car insurance does. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons that the healthcare industry is so broken is because people use their health insurance for things they shouldn't use it for, like routine doctor visits. I can't imagine the insanity of going to get my oil changed at my mechanic and be like, yep, here's my car insurance information <laughs> or to get your tires rotated or whatever. But that's how we use health insurance for these minor, simplistic, predictable things instead of actually having it as something that we can rely upon in case we actually need it. Yeah, imagine not knowing how much your oil change is going to cost for until like two months later when you randomly get a bill. Yeah. So yeah, that that's part of health insurance that we don't know what we're paying for. And and I get the argument that people say that, well, that's an emergency. Healthcare, it's an emergency. I'm like, I worked in emergency medicine for 20 years. That's There's surveys that say anywhere from 5 to 8% of our healthcare spending is an emergency. That's it. We're not talking about emergencies. We're talking about 92% of the time, you have time to sit back and think, all right, where do I want to go? Do I want this dermatologist? Where? What's the right. best place to get that knee surgery I'm going to need? That's certainly been my experience. Yeah. I imagine health insurance is used primarily at your primary care physician yep. For I mean, across the United States. Mm-hmm. Most people, I mean, sure, it's good to have health insurance if you... Mm-hmm you know, are in a car accident or whatever. Mm -hmm. 
or if you know you develop cancer, but it shouldn't be used to just go and see your primary care provider because then your insurance company foots the bill, the doctor charges you more because he knows you're not paying for out of pocket. Mm-hmm. So what does he care? Yep. Which raises your rates and the rates of everyone else. And it takes the power from you and your doctor. So you lose control over your own health care. Yeah. That anything that puts another person in the room, it's you and your doctor. That's all that should be involved in your health care. There shouldn't be a regulator, there shouldn't be a government official. All that does is crack down on efficiency and skyrockets your prices. I remember when the Affordable Care Act first was released and you know, mm-hmm. there were all the promises of, Oh, you can keep your doctor you mm-hmm. can, but yeah, that's suddenly not true. It's suddenly not true. I yeah. mean we knew that wasn't going to be true because it's yeah. government health care and the government sucks at doing everything, including yeah. taking care of I mean, just look at the VA. Right. right. I can't imagine the mentality of someone who knows about the VA, who knows it exists and the shape mm-hmm. that it's in and is thinking to themselves, Yes, we need all of our hospitals and doctors to be run like this. Yeah, we made a promise to a lot of people to run the VA right, and without any competition, without any way of being forced to do better, look what happened to it, and we're failing on a promise we made. I know people in the United Kingdom like to point to their National Health Service Mm -hmm. as something to be proud of and stuff like that, but their doctors are working 100-hour weeks, and Mm -hmm. the the suicide rate is insanely high, Mm -hmm. as is the depression rate. People are just leaving the industry as one would expect. You know, when yep. you have to ration health care out in the United Kingdom because you don't have enough doctors and you can't recruit enough doctors because they're not compete. They can't raise prices mm-hmm. in order to decrease the amount of people who require health care. And it's all just basic supply and demand as you decrease the supply of doctors and you increase the demand for health care mm-hmm. because suddenly the government's paying for it. So what do you care? It's designed to break. Yeah, it's, it's regulation layered on top of a regulation within a regulation to try to fix the first regulation. Yeah. And all that does is restrict supply. So, of course, with less supply, there's going to be longer wait lines and there's going to be more expenses. People also like pointing to Canada as a healthcare example. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, well, Americans love coming to Canada to buy our cheap drugs. And I was like, yes, and that's true. But our issue with the price of pharmaceuticals mm-hmm. is an issue because of intellectual property, which mm-hmm. is a different thing altogether. Like yeah. if you could just manufacture your own EpiPen for $4 or whatever and sell mm-hmm. that, that would be that would be one way of fixing this. But yeah. you can't do that because of intellectual property. Yep. So the issue there is, is fundamentally different. Yeah. The American pharmaceutical comp- companies put a lot of money into developing yeah. these new drugs. And they told the U.S. government, hey, but we want an exclusive right to manufacture yep. this thing for this amount of time. And then, then they're the only ones who can manufacture. So, of course, they can charge whatever the hell they want, and no one can do anything about it. Absolutely. And you're looking at decades to come through. So there are competitors to EpiPens trying and trying to make it through the FDA process right now. But it might be decades until we see that just because of the FDA. There's, there's big reforms that can be done there. There absolutely are. It seems like the only thing that the FDA was ever in a hurry to get through was the co- the COVID-19 vaccines. Right, right. Like it or hate it, and, and I have to say this, in the world that we existed in, yeah, Operation Warp Speed basically said one of the biggest things it did was say, be efficient. Don't let things sit on your desk. What is Operation Warp Speed? That was the process the when the government, when the federal government's part in speeding up the vaccine. Okay. So there's part of that Operation Warp Speed was an order from the president to tell the FDA to just be efficient. Don't If it has to do with the vaccine, you do not let it sit on your desk. It shows up, you take care of it, and you let it move to the next step. We waste years just sitting there waiting for someone to review it on that alone. 
for the and that's what causes these things to take so much time. So how does your organization mm-hmm. intend to address these issues and what do you do mm-hmm. to help the average person? So we have a few different things that we want to First of all, this whole idea of a government takeover, this one-size-fits-all approach doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Well, it never has. It never has. So we offer a suite of what we say are, we call it the personal option, where it focuses on your health care, reforms at the state and federal level that we can change today. And we found in the pandemic, we talk about certificate of need laws, laws that restrict access to care. States repealed them during the pandemic. We're working to keep those laws repealed. Telehealth, where you can talk to your doctor in the way that best suits you, whether it's video or phone or a mix of that and seeing your doctor in person. How do we make that permanent in a way that you and your doctor have the decision? The strangest thing about the pandemic Mm -hmm. for me was doctor's Mm -hmm. offices telling people, don't come in Mm -hmm. if you feel sick. What the hell do you mean? That's the whole whole reason you exist Mm -hmm. is for me to come in when I feel sick. But suddenly they were so terrified of this virus that they're like, no, don't don't even come in. But that's your job is to deal with me when I'm sick. Exactly. And even worse, the state then said, like, no, you cannot talk to people on, on the phone. And then suddenly, OK, we're shutting down your office and you have four days to be able to talk to patients on the phone. And these laws you still have to follow. So doctors so, yeah. prior to this weren't allowed to interact yeah. with their patients i mean it, in a medical yeah. way it, over a phone it varies from state to state but most states out there they wouldn't be able to bill for it at the very least wow. some states you know you cannot transmit certain data over email or over the phone to your doctor it's okay. straight just illegal they can't accept it most of it is the doctor can't bill for the time now i have a wonderful doctor and i was able to call him ask for some advice one time it took about 15 minutes he's not allowed to bill for that if he did that with every up. patient, yeah. he would be out of business in a month and nobody would have a doctor. Like We need to open that up so doctors and patients can have the decision. You should be able to decide how you interact with your doctor. I mean, if you're immunocompromised, maybe you don't want to go into the doctor's office full of sick people. Maybe just having a conversation with your doctor means a video chat that's secure. So where can people go to learn more? Go to apersonaloption.com. That's part of Americans for Prosperity. Apersonaloption.com. Personaloption.com. Thank you so much for sitting with me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm shocked to find out that doctors couldn't, you know, bill for conversations with their patients. It's an insane world we live in, but there's more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. A newly recruited search and rescue officer, Marshall Hunter was resigned to a life of rescuing wayward spacefarers and derelict satellites. But when a billionaire couple goes missing, his own ship is disabled during the rescue. With communication satellites suddenly failing and lunar mineral shipments disappearing in transit, the crew suspects it's more than a coincidence, and Hunter must choose between salvation and sacrifice to save his crewmates and their civilian charges. Frontier by Patrick Childs and BingBooks.com Free Talk Live! It is Free Talk Live here from Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. Fort Fest continues. We're on day three or four. I don't know. It, it all starts to kind of blur together after a while. Hence, you know, why we're calling this Fort Fest instead of the Porcupine Freedom Festival because that's this thing that just sort of happens down there and it's gated off and you have to have a wristband and all of that. Fork Fest doesn't require any of that. All you have to do is be here. 
With you right now is Angie, Aria, and Bonnie. Not the Bonnie that you're probably thinking of. Uh, But yesterday, you hosted a fundraiser party. We did. For the Crypto Six. Now, for those who aren't aware, the Crypto Six are six individuals, myself included, who were raided and arrested by the FBI on March the 16th for white-collar crimes. Or allegedly, alleged white-collar crimes. The level of force that was shown is absolutely disproportional to the charges that we're being charged with, which are, as I pointed out, you know, strictly white-collar crimes. And for that, they kicked in our doors. They, they threatened to shoot me, holding me at gunpoint. They, drew a, they drove a freaking drone in through the window at Free Talk Live. Just absolutely insane degree of force. I mean, these people were making a statement. And yesterday, you made a statement. And it was an awesome party over by the playground. Bitcoin Gandhi was there. I was there. Mark was there. A lot of people were there. So tell me about this. What, what inspired you to do this? Um, so my husband and I decided that we wanted to throw a party at the Porcupine Freedom Festival when we decided that we were coming for this year. This is my, my fifth time. Um, and when... I'll never forget uh, in March, I usually listen to the show and I listen through the um, through the podcast. And one morning I went and I looked and it wasn't there. And I said, oh, that's <laughs> yeah. it's never happened as long as I've been listening in the decade I've been listening. The show's never not been there. There must be some technical difficulties. So a oh, couple there were days technical later, difficulties. Oh, were they ever? <laughs> so uh, when um, when I heard about what happened, I said, what? What a serendipitous opportunity to throw a party, but also make it more meaningful and for something that we care about and to raise money for a good cause. So oh, thank um, you for that. Yeah, of course. Um, selfishly, we got to have a party, but also we got to help, um, you know, some folks that have <laughs> that deserve it. So, we all yeah. enjoyed the party. It was great. The DJ was amazing. And you, you made some special cocktails. Can you I tell did. us the name of the cocktail? Sure. Um, we made the AstraZeneca, the Moderna, the Johnson & Johnson, and the Pfizer. Um, so you could pick your poison and decide which one was for you. Um, the Johnson & Johnson was just one shot, but you did need to have two of the Moderna or the Pfizer yeah. in order to be fully active at the party. <laughs> Interesting. I, I ended up choosing red wine. Yes, so yeah. I, I skipped out on the vaccines entirely. <laughs> well, I had my vaccine and I had the booster, so I was yes. right. Yeah. <laughs> so it was an awesome party, and uh, you raised a fair bit of funds for the Crypto Six. I was really pleasantly surprised. We had donations of um, Federal Reserve notes at cash. We had gold backs. We had some silver donated, and some folks um, donated in cryptocurrency as well. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm just I couldn't be more thrilled with what we were able to able to provide. It's I think it was great. great. I walked away yeah. for a moment to come down to kind of yell at people to say, hey, there's a dance party, free drinks and such. And I came back up there and there were like, there was like a drove of people. And I was like, hey, <laughs> this is great. You know, there were a bunch of people hanging out, dancing, having a good time. And then there was some people playing uh, the drums, like the bongos yeah. up front too, which was really cool. Yeah. No, it, was it was awesome. Cool. I had to leave sort of at its peak because uh, I had left the Free Talk Live episode from yesterday uploading to the studio to make sure it was all good. And I had to come back and check on it. And of course it wasn't. So I had to stay here for 45 minutes and fix that. And by the time I got back there, everything was sort of winding down. I was like, I, I missed like the height of the party. <laughs> but I mean, part of that is because like Chris Wade of Freedom Decrypted came over and got me at like 140. He was like, hey, the party's at two. Let's go. I'm like, is it two o'clock? He goes, yeah. <laughs> so, of course, we got there 20 minutes early. I'm like, Chris, dude, th- this is not, you know, you don't show up for parties 20 minutes early, man. No. He was excited. <laughs> 
And liberty minded folks are not always necessarily known for being yeah. on time for Someone things. Someone said so. uh, we run on anarchist time. Yes, correct. But I get it. Yeah. <laughs> well, Free Talk Live certainly does. Mark quoted someone the other day. Oh, well, we're gonna we're gonna be out here like ten to five every day. I'm like, Mark, I'm at the studio. I'm, I'm here at the offsite studio. Maybe three total hours out a day. You just quoted a seven hour window for people to catch me. Really, at ten a.m. Mark. <laughs> Sure, right now I'm waking up that early, but that tonight's Thursday, which hopefully they're going to actually have a fire down here. Well, we had there was a fire last night down here, and we walked down, I guess it was about uh, 12.45. And they had one down here in the pit? Yeah, it, it was small, and so I had uh, Brian, Michael, and Colin go over, and I was like, hey, I know where the wood is. And, you know, I've been here before, so we went over, and I loaded them all up with wood, and they took it <laughs> over, and that it was, everybody was huddled around. It was so cold, and they put the, it was on top of the rings, and on top of the fire bricks, and it was like spilling out and they were like, yeah, it's a fire. And I was like, sweet, now we have heat. Yeah. So it wasn't an official pork fest fire. It was just, hey guys, we know where the wood no, is. No, it was a pork fest fire, but it was such a tiny little fire. It almost looked like a little tiny fire ring that they have on the campsites. Okay. And that's just not how we do it here at the Fork Fest. No, it's far too many people yeah. down there. For, mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's been weird not seeing the great big blazing fire that, you know, right. I, that's well, what they put sticks the, in my they mind. They put the ring up because they're trying to keep it contained and they don't want it to get so big. But if you know anything about the Freedom Festival, we don't really follow the rules. So the ring is there and we just build it around it. Was it the ring there last year? They put the ring up there after someone um, did a flip over the fire. Oh. That was years ago. They put the ring up the year after that. Okay. Well, last year is, they still had enormous fires. Mm-hmm. There's a there was a guy that would build the fire. He would prop the wood up around the ring, and right. then he would make the fire like just around the whole thing, and it would be huge pyramid. But I don't think he's here here this year. The ring was like a guide. Was yeah, like, that was it. Oh, I can just stack this up against inside it. the ring. <laughs> I remember that, that. I think that was my first year at Forkfest. Was the guy trying to on LSD? Allegedly trying to do a front flip over the fire. I didn't yes. realize it was the campfire in the bowl. I thought it was it, just a random. No, campfire it was the one was... down there, and there were a ton of people there, and um, and so the ambulance came, and you know, it was it was a lot. He went running through the field because he was on fire, and As they had to tackle expect. him, and it was a, it was a big fiasco. Yeah, it sounds like it was. Uh, definitely don't try to do front flips no, over fires. Not at all. Not a good idea. If you want to do a front flip, just do it at a party. Right? Yeah. Where people are expecting that sort of thing and don't introduce an element of fire into it. Or into water. Water yes. would be another option for <laughs> Yeah, that would be good. Flip. There's there the pool. pool right <laughs> yeah. up there. And there it feels is. great. I've been in it quite a few times. The water's a little chilly, but on a day like today, when you jump in, it feels great. I'm sure it does. And the party yesterday, uh, Bitcoin Gandhi was also there. Yes, he was. And... It, it was just heartwarming to see the level of support that, you know, you had pulled together in support of the Crypto 6 because by far that's the most important thing, at least to me. And I don't know how all of the other five feel about it, but just knowing that we're not alone no. is more is more helpful than any amount of money or anything like that. It's just knowing that people support us because, I mean, the, the attorneys, realistically, they're, they're, they're handled. All of that's taken care of. But knowing that we have people who support us as we go against the state is tremendously helpful. Sure. I mean, especially for people like Rich Paul, who are still in jail. You know, it helps. It gives us strength to know that people are standing behind us. And it makes makes us less likely to buckle. Like, the loneliest and weakest I felt was when I was in jail, right? Thinking that, you know, I'm alone in this and I've got to deal with it. And then the, that, the next night, I was sitting at home by myself and I was just like, God, this sucks, man. I'm just completely alone here because I wasn't able to have access to phones or internet or anything at that point. 
And someone got the word out that I wanted company. And the next thing I know, like 15 libertarians from Keene showed up at my house and there was an unexpected party. I was like, yeah, I feel I, I'm ready to fight this fight. Now. You're like, These you. are my friends. Yeah. Yep. But it's very isolating when you go up against the state and, you know, just a little simple thing like a party just boosted spirits and made everyone feel great. And it raised awareness. A lot of people had no idea it had even happened. A lot of people. And I think the shirts as well have been huge. I've seen a lot of folks, um, you know, asking about they're like, oh, what is the Crypto Six? And then it gives us an opportunity to explain what happened um, and, you know, how they can show support as well. Awesome. I, I really appreciate it. There are Crypto 6, Free the Crypto 6 t-shirts being sold right over here from Freedom Decrypted. I imagine you can find them elsewhere as well. I think Marla's selling some. Yep. Uh, it's it's pleasant to see people walking around in Free the, free the Crypto 6 shirts being one of the Crypto 6. I'm like, yeah, thanks, buddy. Yeah, so, but I'm surprised at how many people still have no idea what happened or what the Crypto 6 are. It, it is surprising, right? Um, but, I mean, most of the press has just been here on Free Talk Live and in libertarian circles. So people who are at the edge of those circles in, like, Wyoming or something like that just didn't hear about it. Yeah. So, we need to keep spreading the word. Uh, well, we're spreading the word Saturday, for sure, where I'm doing a speech here at the Pavilion. Excellent. At awesome. 11 a.m. about the Crypto 6 and the long-term implications of the case. So if you're still, if you're coming up, come check that out or throw a party or check out one of the mini parties here at Fort Fest. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live from the Porcupine Freedom Festival, or as I like to think of it, Fort Fest, because Fort Fest is, it can now happen concurrently with the Porcupine Freedom Festival, and indeed it is, and we're here until July the 4th doing exactly that. But before we get too far into it, I want to say thank you to Gunnaman2002, who is tonight's amplifier. This means that he contributes, or she, contributes to the AMP program. We only ask $5 per month to join, and it comes with a number of cool little pe- features like an AMP-only Facebook group, an AMP-only call-in line, and some other cool stuff like that, but really... The reason you should join it is because you want to help Free Talk Live reach a larger audience because that's what the AMP program does. It's money that is used strictly to advertise, market, and promote Free Talk Live. So if you value what we do, like going out at festivals like this and meeting interesting people and talking to them about what they're up to, you might consider joining the program. That's AMP, A-M-P com. Speaking of interesting people, I'm here now with one of the original founders of Call to Freedom, I believe, which was the show that had me started on radio in the first place before I ended up on Free Talk Live, and that's that's Gosh, Goshi? I, yeah, you sorry, got it right, yeah. Goshi. Yeah, Goshi and King. You are, I've never met you before, but you're Joe, yep. and the two that's of correct. you have recently started a podcast. Tell, tell me about it, because mm-hmm. it's engineering, like angry but engineering. <laughs> exactly. So, it's it's a play on words. So A stands for anarchy. Okay. And then the rest is engineering because that's ah. who we are. Both of us are mechanical engineers. Um, okay. I, I see. I work as a mechanical engineer and Joe works as a... I, I, my job title is the energy engineer. Energy engineer? Yeah, so I yes. focus on like a building's energy use. Yep. Okay. So we're in a consulting industry so we thought that it'd be a good idea because we didn't we didn't we thought that there was lack of like science and technology you know in terms of engineering right. um, in the libertarian world so we thought it was a good idea for both of us to to be part of that so our so our subtitle is blowing hot air <laughs> I love it <laughs> and and uh, and and our and, and another subtitle is your source for ncap 
uh, science and technology type of podcast. Excellent. So I assume the two of you are dealing with a lot of uh, uh, mass questions and stuff like that. Is that correct? I mean, that's been a hot topic throughout the last year. You started your podcast presumably within the last year. Yeah, we. I don't know exactly. I think two years ago. Yeah, two years ago. But we're not like random. Well, we we don't have a lot of podcasts, so we're sort of like hobbyist, like literally hobbyist. So we find a subject and we find the time. And then we go after it. And we don't just have a podcast just for the you know heck of it. We right. want to talk about some serious issues. Uh, in fact, tonight we're talking at 9 o'clock when this is, uh, you know, uh, going to be, uh, this show is going to be continuing. Uh, we have a talk on uh, powering private cities. And is that, is that here at the Porcupine yes. Freedom Festival? Oh, okay. Yeah, it's fire in, fire in uh, what station uh, is where we're going to be t- uh, uh, talking. We're uh, at? Uh, right at the end of the hill by the okay. pavilion. Uh, what's it called? Fire and what? I Fire and something. Uh, uh, couldn't tell you. Yeah. And you're speaking about how to power free private, private ci- cities or private islands or seasteading and that sort of stuff. And we're also going to talk about um, the brewing energy crisis, which is something that we have not talked about. Uh, Sounds fascinating. Yeah, it's something that, you know, uh, under the current affairs, we feel like there is so much push from the left and even some some from the right. Uh, going all electric and it's going to change you know what's happening um, to our grid and uh, and we think that that eventually we're going to run into crisis we had them in you mean with the electric cars consuming more and more power not just that but all the buildings anything that's constructed new most of these buildings we notice in our industries are, are going all electric what do you mean all uh, all electric Joe you want to elaborate yeah so there's a big I guess to have all electric power for your like mainly your heating systems that is the big change from like natural gas or oil into um, electric powered sources oh electric heating yeah okay. so instead of having yeah, here like in the a, here in the northeast that would be extremely expensive wouldn't it yes yes and their tr- modern buildings are transitioning to just using electrical heat versus yes. you know classical natural heat or yeah natural gas or, or natural like heat. sometimes yes. you know like uh, uh, oftentimes in, in northeast here in new england uh you know residential some even commercial you have a lot of stuff that's made uh to run in propane or natural gas and right. in some instances k2 or number two oil that's you know famous you can it's that's very similar to right? diesel uh no uh well yeah that's yeah k k is kerosene and then number two oil okay which is almost diesel Okay. Yeah, you, you, it's interchangeable, but you know they they sell it as a number two oil, and uh, a lot of furnaces, you know, boilers and, and whatever heat type of heating system they have is is typically run with that. But um, there's a lot of construction going on in in you know northeast and for example Massachusetts is one of the biggest ones, and they have like stretch codes and things like that that are mandating that the buildings are all electric, pretty and much. And the two of you suggest that this is going to create a massive energy crisis, presumably because we don't have the power grids to support that level of electrical draw. That's exactly what we're going to talk about because we because it is our fear that you know just like the nineteen uh, late sixties and seventies when there was an energy crisis, the infrastructure uh, was changing to uh, electric or there was a lot of more electric use, but the uh, the the um, the infrastructure itself, like you know plants, were not ke- you know keeping up as 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 quickly as they should have. Okay. And we have a fear that the same thing is happening, especially considering that people are anti-nuclear, anti, you know, other, uh, like fossil fuel type of plants. So everybody wants... What are your thoughts on nuclear plants? Uh, 
Because uh, I, I don't have an issue with them. I know they're, they're yeah. a hot topic issue for whatever reason, but I figure the two of you are the best people to ask. Yeah, I, and we're going we're gonna to actually talk about that in, in, in depth today because now that the nuclear is so much safer, there's no more you know, Chernobyl type of nuclear plants. Yeah, there in has fact, a, the last one, I think, was Fukushima in... Yeah, Japan? because of tsunami, and but but it, part of the reason was that it was a very old plant too. Okay, right. So whatever happened there has happened. Isn't and there some long term fallout there that hasn't been dealt with? That's just like seeping into the ocean continually. That's eventually going to create a massive problem. I've heard about that. I can't really speak to well, it. I know they had. Uh, I don't know all of it, but some radioactive water, which they thought. Well, I, mean, I believe they are doing it. They're slowly pumping it back into the ocean, and I guess the idea is that it's such a relatively small amount of water into a vast okay. ocean that'll be diluted and not harmful. I don't really know anything about it. I just used to watch YouTube videos a lot and they're not really reliable sources of information <laughs> more often than they are reliable sources of say. information. But so anyone who is interested in this topic will have already missed it by the time that this show is broadcast because of yes. how this is all working out. You're actually going to be Speaking down there on this subject while this is airing on national radio. Yeah, Fire and Steel. I just remember now. It's called Fire and Steel. It's, it's at the bottom of the hill, closest to the pavilion. And does your show have a website or anything like that that people can visit? Yes, it's called engineering.tech. And that's basically engineering but with an A, and the A stands for anarchy. So engineering.tech but spelled with an A at the beginning. That's absolutely right. Okay. Yes. Do you? What, what sort of topics do you discuss on this show? Things like this and... Much more. I mean, anything science. Joe, go ahead and tell Any us tell us what we did so far. <clears throat> We've talked about like geothermal heating for your homes and all of that. We've talked about has the technology cars. gotten to that point yet? Because it was like 2005 when I last looked into geothermal energy, and it was like, hey, this is very promising technology. Yeah, the like in our in, like for heat buildings, you can use it as a heating cooling sink. But then the power is building. The geothermal power is building. Awesome. Head on over to engineering. That's engineering spelled with an A at the beginning. Dot tech to learn more. Thank you so much for joining us today. There's more coming up from Porkfest. This is Free Talk Live. Do you feel like your country no longer holds your values? Have you dreamt of a place where liberty-minded people can come together and leave government overreach behind? There are many people just like you that are discovering FreePrivateCities.com. They start at FreePrivateCities.com and connect via the social media links shown there. All skills will be needed when the first of the Free Private Cities open. It's sooner than you think. Stop arguing and build FreePrivateCities.com. FreePrivateCities.com. It's Free Talk Live. Talk radio you control. Ordinarily, of course, we are here at the Freedom Festival. That's what I'm going to call it from now on. It's just the Freedom Festival. It's not Fork Fest or the Porcupine Freedom Festival. It's just the Freedom Festival. It is a Freedom Festival. It is. It is a huge Freedom Festival. It is. At, they were at 85% capacity here as of yesterday. Today's uh-huh. probably got to be close to 95%. I believe that. Uh, this is. I've never seen this many people here this Period. early, it, it is. Yeah, packed, this, uh, this uh, you know, by Wednesday we had the Friday crowd. The yeah. typical Friday crowd was here by Wednesday, and it was kind of surreal. The voice you hear, of course, is Matt and Jay. Jay, thank you so much for being on here again, Matt. 
I don't get to see you as much as I used to, and it sucks. Uh, I know. You've got a family now, being all responsible and a fine, upstanding person. And yes. <laughs> I, well, I do no miss room for the crazy trans chick. I'm, I miss <laughs> doing radio with you. Uh, I'm going to be able to get down a little more. Actually, this uh, this summer, I'm going to drag Luke into the studio a few times. Uh, okay. Luke Rudowski. Awesome. And oh, we'll come great. down and do it. Is and, he here? Uh, he's here today. Yep. Oh, I've yep. got to get he, him on. He, uh, he got into New Hampshire a few days ago, and he rolled in here, I think, on Monday. And, and um, Luke knows a thing or two about being in front of a camera and a microphone. Yes, he does. Well, next time you see him, send him this way, because I want to talk with him. Yeah, I will uh, get him to come on the show uh, here. Awesome. So what have you been up to? I have uh, been up to a lot of things, but if we can just put one thing out real quick. Remember earlier I told you about the uh, libertarian activist who just got shot in uh, Denver, Mm -hmm. uh, Arvada, actually. And So as you guys know, I was in Colorado for a few years, and I got to know the uh, We Are Change uh, Colorado crew, and they were did a lot of activism. They had weekly meetups at different places, a lot of community outreach. So Johnny Hurley, I, and I sent you a link, uh, Aria, and Johnny Hurley, activist, chef, musician, community pillar, killed after saving lives by the police. Um, this is an article from We Are Change. Uh, we're going, the, the things open up, peakd.com. So the, the quickest summary of this is that there was an armed robbery going on. Oh, well, they say they called a mass shooting going on. And Hurley intervened. And Hurley intervened. Hurley, uh, who's a uh, carries, uh, from what I, I, I understand, um, Johnny Hurley, uh, shot the mass shooter and then basically... Saving lives. Sa- oh, yeah, saving lives. All the report, report said that they saved lives. And I'm just talking to some people in Denver that know this guy. Right. And... Um, uh, and the guy, Kenny Platerno, I don't know if you guys know him, Kenny's Conscious Kitchen, he does a lot of festy stuff out west, uh, west coast and in Mexico, uh, and he's the one who reached out to me about it and you know, kind of fed me the information, and he's in touch with those guys, but what the report was is that he saved multiple lives, multiple eyewitnesses said he saved lives, they're calling him a hero, the mayor of Denver is calling him a hero, the chief police is calling him a hero, but they're saying the cops shot him. Oh, my God. I didn't know that part of the equation. Uh, it, this is just what they're saying, and it's like speculation so is not it, confirmed. Is he in critical condition He's or dead. even worse? Yep. Yep. Cops can identify guns, but they can't identify threats. So one thing I was thinking, you know, like... A, a, well, uh, just a cop arriving at a mass shooting doesn't license them to just whip out their gun and start shooting every person who has, a, who has an open-carried gun. You know, you look for the one who's actively Absolutely. murdering people. Assess the situation and then behave. Yes, you don't. You, you don't. You don't just open fire before assessing the situation. Unbelievable. But as someone like myself, I I, I carry, <clears throat> so uh, and I train with some with some other guys uh, occasionally. And I think uh, something that maybe uh, we should do sometime when we get together and train is, let's say there there is somebody just you know popping popping off people somewhere, and one of us is around, and we go deal with the problem. We need to be, be. We need to be prepared. Actually, even Chris Cantwell, like he's got a video. He set it down good. Uh, he, he he did. I, th- I think a good job when he drew a gun on someone who was about to assault him. And when the cops sh- uh, showed up, he's like, he's like, I'm just protecting myself. He, he kind of worded it pretty good. And the keen cops, I think, are actually probably pretty chill compared to most cops. There was a video well, about the how that. Well, cops certainly encounter a lot of guns. I mean, yep. there's people from Mass who come up to New Hampshire who call the cops on people right. who are open carrying, yep. and the right. cops get there and they're like, hey, yeah, yep. what kind of gun is it? Can I see it? Yeah. So maybe, uh, Matt, think about this. We should probably come up with like a little uh, training plan on how to, um, 
you know, after we, one of us, maybe take out a, uh, a, a someone who's a criminal that's doing bad stuff, we protect some people. What do we do in preparation so when the cops arrive? Um, you know, I, I don't think I want to be standing there holding my uh, holding my pistol on someone maybe on the ground and the cops show up because they might think I'm the bad guy, even though maybe I just, you know, took the bad guy down, but he's, like, still got his gun and can still move. You really can't, like, you know, back off that situation. But it, we got to think about this a little bit. It's amazing to me to think – I mean, I, not having been there, I don't know the situation entirely, but – Police have a pretty slow response time. I can't imagine that Hurley still had his weapon drawn when the cops arrived 28 minutes later. I, I just people need to look into it and see what's going on. That's you know I I don't have any more information on it. But did you know him? I know him very you? well. Actually, you did. Yes, yes. I, I in Colorado, I did a, a lot of activism with him. He was like, he was like, um, you know, um, he. He's like the Ian Freeman of Denver. Oh, don't tell me that. You know, he's just, well, I mean, very good. Like, you know, Ian's just like a beautiful guy that everyone likes and everyone gets along with him. Like, this guy smiles, hugs. um, Nobody ever had a bad word to say about this guy. Uh, He was just great. I mean, it sounds like he was a hero. He's an actual hero. Absolutely a hero. He literally saved people's lives. Yeah, literally saved people's lives. But he just, like, he's loved by that, that Liberty community, like, people love like you know a lot of the people here like like ian's love very much by many much by many of us he's been probably some of the greatest influence to you know most people here i think and i i believe especially to me and well, he certainly <clears throat> influenced me more than probably anyone else i've right. ever known right and, and but this guy's got like the same passion the same heart the same charisma you know like like ian's the kind of guy you want your little sister to date you know um <laughs> <Yeah>. because seriously <laughs> i mean like well when i say little okay sister, i'm talking you know my my you know I got little sisters and they're in their twenties and their thirties and and like right. you know they like you know Ian's like the kind of guy you want you know level headed right clear, he's just a great guy stable. That, you know this guy Journey Johnny uh, Hurley he's a really good dude he's the kind of dude that you want your your sister to you know get hooked up with I mean that's just the way I look at him tragic uh, and he saved lives and for that did. the police. Allegedly murdered him. Allegedly, yep. Uh, so I, I assume the police are going to investigate themselves and, as usual, clear themselves of any wrongdoing the way the police always do. Yeah, and and, and as of an hour ago, because I just checked the messages, the guy said we've heard nothing more from. And there's an investigation. There's been a couple. Like there's been a little press release by the uh, uh, city officials re- actually calling him a hero. So at least they're giving him credit for being a hero. So, so what is the time frame of all of this? When did this happen? 72 hours ago, I'm thinking. Oh, so this is... Like, yep. Okay. So yep. it's very, very recent. Yes. Well, I'm sorry about your loss. Yes. Well, thank you. I'm sorry about Colorado's loss. It's always devastating to lose your 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 most passionate and, and dedicated activists. Colorado's really getting bad with gun laws, too. They've like, mm-hmm. A lot of cities and counties that Colorado, are Colorado, like, really? Yes. yes. Believe it or not, they've uh, gone awful. Rural, is it because of all of the people moving from California yes, to Colorado? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, yep. Uh, Californians are really de- demolishing everywhere but California now. They're didn't, they're spreading. Wasn't there a movement for Colorado to split into two yes. states? To uh, there's a movement for, for California to split yep. into stu- the state of Jefferson has been a thing for a long time. They've been trying to break off from Southern California. I severely underestimated how long California is until I realized that you know. My drive from Mississippi to New Hampshire, I could take that entire drive in California and just barely get from one end of the state to the other. Yeah, yep. that, it's big. It's a whole coastline. Yeah, that's that's insane. And yes, you know, is. these people destroyed their state. Now they're moving to Colorado and destroying it because evidently destroying one state just isn't enough. They, yeah, they're a virus. These they people. are a virus, and Montana's dealing with it. And and anywhere that looks pretty on a postcard, 
the Californians are yeah. flocking to, and they are absolutely demolishing. Well, they can have Vermont, but they can't have New Hampshire. Uh, in, in Colorado, for example, in most of rural Colorado, you'll see these signs that says, uh, "Welcome to Colorado. Please go home." <laughs> <laughs> uh, the thing I like about you know, say what you will about Vermont, but most of Vermont's problems lie in Burlington. But the people of Vermont, the average people in Vermont, are very much like that, and they don't right. have signs. They will tell you, <laughs> "Hey, welcome to Vermont. Uh, what are you here for? How long are you going to stay? Uh, when, can yeah. you, when can you go?" Well, we got to keep the mass holes in mass, right? And hopefully, yeah, we build a wall. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Jay. I wish you had better news, man. That's heartbreaking to hear. Well, Where can people go to find out more about Joe Hurley? You mentioned we uh, are changecolorado.org. Thank you so much. More coming up from Fork Fest. It's Free Talk Live. is Free Talk Live, coming at you from Rogers Campground, Fort Fest 2021 in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. There's still time for you to come and check it out. We are here until July the 4th, staying for the full duration. I'm, I'm getting conflicting reports about how many people are going to stay. According to Angie, there's a significant number, but you know, I'm basing it off of the orange stickers I see on people's vehicles that are a firm indicator of whether or not they're staying, and I just don't see that many going beyond June the 28th, which is the end of the Porcupine Freedom Festival. But who knows? I mean, there last year there were people who came up just for Fork Fest. Yep. So we, we have no idea what's going to happen because we don't sell tickets because there's no one to sell tickets. If you bought a ticket for Fork Fest, you got it's ripped It's counterfeit. Off. Yeah. <laughs> it's not real. Because there's no ticket needed. I know if it's real, the, the ticket wouldn't be. I know of at least three families who will be arriving here either Sunday or Monday for Fork Fest because they simply couldn't even they actually had pork fest tickets but they didn't have a site so they sold their uh. tickets and then other people uh couldn't get tickets so they're i i know there's at least a dozen bodies coming here that i'm aware of just for fork fest that's beautiful i'm happy to hear it I, I, i've been kind of discouraged seeing the stickers going oh man nobody's going i'm just if fork fest is going to be me sitting here talking to a microphone i <laughs> don't think a ton of people here know about fork fest i know that i have mentioned to people and it's the first they've heard of it so we may pull a a handful of people out of that group of people too um i'm certainly staying i'll be here to july 4th that's another strong case for having it after the porcupine freedom festival because we can use the porcupine freedom festival to make people aware mm-hmm. of the after party for the cool kids the cool I mean, kids i mean that's really what it is uh, the porcupine freedom festival is sort of a constrained family friendly version of fork fest that's not to say fork fest is not family friendly but fork fest is a party let's just be right. honest uh, back in the old days the reason we forked was one of the reasons we forked is because pork fest kind of became a little okay. family friendly and they, it they was a cops, riot man a little more centralized yeah. Yeah. centralized for some, of, some of us but they, i mean they've scaled it down a lot to the extent that you know last night i was debating whether or not it's even necessary to have two festivals maybe we can just merge them together yeah, pork fest has rerouted a little bit and it feels pretty good and there's a ton of people here uh i think we already mentioned that once but I, i'm just gobsmacked by how many people showed up this year this is of amazing. those people here is jay noon jay i've i had your breakfast sausage yesterday thank and, you or your breakfast croissants is actually absolutely amazing now everything that you sell there maybe minus the croissants is stuff that you raised and grew and killed and processed yourself right or um some of it is that 
But uh, basically, all the pork are, are pigs that I raise on my property. Last year, during, uh, uh, you know, my daughter was born in February, and, this, and I'm sitting there in a hospital watching TV, and I'm like, oh, these guys are looking to, uh, they're going to starve us out, you know, and I'm just paying attention to what's going on, and they're like Tyson's euthanizing hogs, and, you know, thousands of them, and I remember that chickens, because they and have they're a, still doing it. They, the non-competition agreement in their contracts, right. it means yep. that if Tyson doesn't want their pigs... They can't just sell them to someone who does want right. them. They have to euthanize and them. And it's one of the things I tried doing early. Uh, myself and uh, Neil Smith of Bardo Farm, we teamed up. Uh, the Smith family, they moved here a dozen years ago, and they've been raising pigs ever since, and they're real good at it. And we just kind of – so I last spring bought 250 piglets. Uh, wow. Because <laughs> a I, lot of I started putting a call out. I go, hey, we need pigs. And they're like – my buddy's like, I got to go get a semi-load. How many can you take? And he puts 800 little piglets in a semi-load. He went to Indiana. I, th- I think he actually got them for free. But anyways, I paid him like $65 a pig. And I sold them for $150 a pig cash and $100 a pig if you paid in bullion, Bitcoin, or um, bullets. And people paid me in bullion, Bitcoin, and bullets and cash for pigs. And I ended up, uh, long story short, having 54 pigs left. Um, and uh, the problem was is I couldn't sell any more piglets. I was going to buy another load, but couldn't sell any more because nobody p- could find butcher spots. Now, I had went, and as I, it's one of the first things I did is I went and I got 10 butcher spots at a USDA slaughterhouse that I'm familiar with in Massachusetts. It's only a two-hour ride from my house. Right. So 10 butcher spots for 10 pigs every month. I just said, for the next two years, 10 butcher spots. Let's just do it because then they put me in, so... So we actually got really lucky because I just made that phone call, made that appointment, and I, I, a good friend of mine is a real good friend with a guy that owns it, and he's like, yeah, we, he wouldn't do it because he didn't really know who I was, but as soon as I mentioned my friend's name, he's like, yeah, that's cool. Okay. So reputation is like just is is it's very worthwhile everywhere, even and you know they're all normies. These Absolutely, guys. I mean reputation has kept people alive in Absolutely. the in the libertarian yep. community here in New Hampshire. People have you know they've fallen upon hard times and. They were yep. loaned money or whatever, and it was solely on the basis of their reputation that they weren't ostracized from the community for one thing or another. Reputation is extremely important. Yep. So don't screw up. So and if you do, well, just you, make it right. Exactly. I mean, it's actually apologize and make it right. It is way better to admit to your screw up, and be and even if you can't make it right, and you just at least I mean, you know, let's say you I don't know you screw up a fifty thousand dollar car, right? Because you smash into it, and maybe you know. You did it with a tractor that has no insurance, or your horse, or whatever, you know. Um, and and someone hit your car today. No, someone hit Ian's car today. Okay. <laughs> the Shire Free Church's car today. Fair um, point. Somebody backed into it a little. It's got a little ding in it, but uh, I have her contact information, and uh, we're going to see if we can handle that one voluntarily. If you can't make it right monetarily, at least admit your mistake. And, you know, if you can't make it right, you can always ask for forgiveness. So, anyways, getting back to what I did, I, I wintered 50 some odd pigs. And I sent them to the uh, butcher house, and we've been uh, we've been feeding a free steak. We've been feeding people all over New Hampshire. Um, actually, I've been, and I got people coming up from Mass that are getting the pigs. People coming from Maine getting the meat. So it's been pretty awesome. And uh, we did buy a lot of the butchering stuff, uh, and we butchered a lot of our own pigs. We had uh, sold pigs to a bunch of people in the community, and they came back, and we but- and we went and butchered pigs at their houses. Some We butchered some pigs back at my house, and uh, we set up, throw all the stuff in a trailer and do it, and we had families butchering their own pigs, you know, mom, dad, couple of kids doing all the work, and they raised their own pigs, so it, it, it was a good confidence builder. And then I built myself a freezer I can slide in the back of my truck because can't find a refrigerated truck, and uh, there's another sure. scarce thing. And um, 
And so then we'll, let's explain to people why this is all necessary. I, I assume most people have no idea what these factory farms like Tyson owns are actually like. I mean, some of these... Right, they don't. Uh, they're horrific. They mm-hmm. pump these animals full of steroids to the extent that the chickens can't even walk. They put them in cages that don't really fit in. They do the same with all of their animals. They, they make their pigs anemic. That's why they came up with the propaganda pork, the other white white meat. Because when you take 4,000 hogs and you raise them in a 10-acre barn at perfect humidity, perfect temperature, and no light, um, they, got to, they actually have to give them a synthetic iron supplement to keep them alive. And when... My pigs are raised on dirt, and Bardo's pigs are raised on dirt in a forest, and pigs need to eat dirt. And they need to eat different dirt. They can't keep eating the same dirt. Pigs eat dirt? They eat dirt. They eat roots. They eat dirt, and that's how they get iron. And actually, our soil in New Hampshire is really high in iron. Okay. Um, That's why you see all this red rocks and red clay around here. Yeah. Uh, Don't talk to me about red clay with my basement, man. (laughs) You know all about it, yes. (laughs) You know, it's really interesting, actually, since we're on that topic. uh, At Bardo, they were telling me how they... They'll fence off the pigs and one. They'll 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 cut down some trees for lumber, and then they'll fence the pigs off in that area. And the pigs will root out all the tree stumps, and they'll just yep. go in afterwards. And the pigs will have pooped out all the uh, roots that they've eaten and all yep. the dirt they've eaten and made s- extremely fertile soil. And then they just have to hook a chain to a truck and pull the tree stump away, and they've got perfect pasture. And they move the pigs to the next plot, and they do it again. They have perfectly. Oh, they're so awesome, pasture. and and um. I made a I made an intentional pig food forest this year. So uh, last fall, I planted a bunch of oats and rye and um, clover. And then this spring, I planted daikon radishes. And a couple weeks after, uh, a couple weeks from now, I'm I'm gonna have uh, twenty or thirty piglets showed up. And I nice. and I hope to have a nice lush uh, forest ground full of all kinds of uh, just foliage and radishes. And then whatever else grows wildly also came up and let them eat it all. One of the things I love about living in Keene and in New Hampshire in general is that I, I'm reasonably confident when I go to a locally owned restaurant that the food is locally sourced, which yeah. is a huge benefit. Yeah, they try me. really hard, like all the restaurants in, in the Keene area, yeah. they, do they, their best to get as much local food as they possibly can. Local Burger, for instance, is really mm-hmm. good at that. Yep. I don't have to worry about them you know, shipping in packaged meat from Tyson and trying to make burgers out of it. And I don't know if you can taste the difference or not. I, you know, who knows? A local burger has a very distinct taste in and of themselves. But but when I got the breakfast sandwich from you yesterday morning, it, it was some of the best sausage I've ever eaten. I mean, it, and the, the portion was enormous. You know, it wasn't one of those little tiny, perfectly cut sausage patties that you get from whatever sausage company escapes right. me at the moment. It was an Jimmy actual... Dean. Jimmy Dean, yeah. Yeah, that's it. It was no an actual... No nitrates. Um, and, like, one of the girls working with me is like, what do you got for seasoning? And I'm like, I don't use any seasoning. Yeah, it uh, wasn't needed. The, these, uh, you know, so I, I feed the pigs, um, like, brewer's grain from a local brewery. Uh, I do buy some local non-GMO corn from actually a, a farmer in Massachusetts I've known for years. Uh, and we get uh, eggs from a Pete and Jerry's egg egg razor. They're organic and like cracked and mis-sized eggs for the pigs. And we get milk from um, a couple of different uh, Hood and Smithfield. They're an organic one. And we get yogurt from them sometime. And then uh, we got a bunch of Shaw's restaurants. We got a bunch of produce and vet fruit and vegetables and all kinds of stuff for them. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your hard work, Jay, man. People like me, we appreciate it because I'm not going to get out there and raise my own pigs. More coming up from Fork Fest. It's Free Talk Live. The Crypto Six are preparing to defend ourselves against the state. On March the 16th of this year, the federal government came after Free Talk Live. They raided the studio. 
They arrested several of our hosts, one of whom, Rich Paul, also known as Nobody, remains in custody. They picked us thinking that they would find easy targets. Man, were they wrong, because we do not intend to back down. Visit TheCrypto6.com to find out how you can join the war for freedom and financial liberty. Bitcoin isn't a crime. Cryptocurrency isn't a crime. Don't let the powers that be take control of cryptocurrency and establish the likes of Coinbase, Gemini, and Kraken as the next J.P. Morgan, Bank of America, and Wells Fargo. Keep cryptocurrency decentralized and beyond the control of the federal government. Go to TheCrypto6.com to learn more about how you can join this fight. TheCrypto6.com